How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again, my Senior Editor and Writer, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brenda McAlinden. Fellas, I hope that your Christmases were just filled with golden showers. How the hell are you? <laughs> Um, I, I was doing great until Brendan and I put out a podcast where all, all it just filled up my Twitter timeline with mentions of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. As how it much, should. Uh, As it fucking <laughs> should. God, that would have been one hell of a show had I not had I been on there. You sons of bitches. It's just that it's just wrong. It's a wrong take. I stand wrong by take. my take. I stand by my take. I don't care. I also stand by my I, take. I don't care if the guy's a piece of shit. Bill Murray's a piece of shit, too. And yet... But here's the difference. Here's the difference. And yet Scrooge Bill, is one of the top five of all time. Yeah, but but here's the difference, right? And this, this is why I hate the Clark Griswold and just the movie in general, is that there is no resolution or character growth for Clark Griswold where he realizes in the end that he's a piece of shit. Like, he kidnaps his boss and... Should go to prison. He didn't kidnap anybody. He did not kidnap anybody. <laughs> he should have gone to prison for it. Doesn't learn his lesson and comes out he did the back end still anybody. a piece of shit, which is the opposite crime. of a Christmas movie and Christmas spirit. No matter how much of a miser you are, at the end of a Christmas movie, you are supposed to come to realize the spirit and the meaning of Christmas. And he doesn't do that. Arnold's character in Jingle All the Way does. Oh uh, my God, no. 
Scrooge. He was the one getting fucked. He was the one who was not getting the company bonus. He was, uh, I mean, Clark is financially responsible that he wrote a check that uh, was going to bounce. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, this was the nineties and everybody was doing it. <laughs> so, I mean, but he did not commit it. Well, I guess he did commit a crime. I mean, committed a crime. A it's a crime. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's a misdemeanor. I mean, is you don't, you don't think having, well, the, I mean, at the end of the movie, he was, getting, movie. he was getting screwed over. And by the end, I mean, the, at the end of the movie, Everything came together. Like, he learned nothing from it. His terrible actions were rewarded. What was he Just, supposed to learn? Maybe to not leave your daughter with basically ending up with blue lips and almost dying of hypothermia trying to get a Christmas tree. Did she survive? I, it, you no, know what? I don't yeah, judge other people's survived. parenting skills, Brendan. I mean, whatever they got to do to, you know, to bring up their children and, and the way that they were bringing it up within legal ramifications i mean that's just like that's toughening them up second street now she is actively fantasizing about cheating now she is ready for a career in the big city in the winter time when she has to walk you know 20 city blocks because traffic is so tough and it's you know 21 degrees i mean now (laughs) she audrey is ready whenever she grows up we can't first of all this he's awful we're going to have to move on because uh, it's, it's so bad. It's, it's such a it's so bad. Anyways, so. <laughs> Did you have a nice Christmas, though? I had a very. OK, Christmas, this is a, uh, since COVID hit, this is really the first time that. That it, I mean, it really like affected the fa- the whole family's Christmas plans um, pretty dramatically. Um, so, of course, Carrie and I overdid it with the kids um, because, you know, we you think that your kids who have everything they could ever want are somehow getting shorted, um, <laughs> you know. So it, it was it was good. I mean, it was there's a lot going on in the uh, in the Vols family. So uh, but, you know. This house is healthy, and we had a we had a nice Christmas. That's good. Did you, did you stop over to Olive Garden? Maybe get a tour of Italy. Um, you know. Wow. Jesus Christ! I mean, wow. he's just bringing it tonight. Whew. I was so proud of you for about I don't know maybe like 15 seconds as you're dropping picks in the DMs of you making your own pasta. Yeah. I mean, homemade from scratch. I mean, that's. That's just, you know, that's that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Then you break out the fucking scissors. Like, why would you even <laughs> make the pasta if you're going to cut the pasta with scissors? Well, it's just it's just effective and um, efficient. It's easy. It's just easier, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I even did like the twirl. I made like the the spaghetti nest and my homemade sauce and homemade meatballs right up on top and the the twenty dollar brick of parmesan and created that on there and then you know didn't want to ruin my pot so i didn't salt the water of course my my mother-in-law always requests uh my home my lasagna for the christmas dinner i think maybe last year or two years ago we did like a big breakfast uh brunch 
thing, and I don't think that pleased her. Uh, so it must, have been, it must have been last year. So that was requested. But there was a lot of people that weren't able to come to this one. So I have just been inhaling lasagna. I mean, just inhale the lasagna for like two and a half fucking days. I couldn't eat anymore. Like, it's just the sheer amount that I had was incredible. Not once did I use a pair of fucking scissors. Well, yeah, not with lasagna. Yeah, because you got the knife there already. Who knows with you people? Who knows what you people do next? Hey, let's break. Let's break out the bandsaw and cut our lasagna. Wouldn't be that opposed. What to we this. do know is that Notre Dame has arrived out in Arizona, England, festival against Oklahoma State for the moment, because there's nothing but cancellations going on in the bowl world, and just. A short while ago, I found out that Notre Dame will not be sending their band um, out there because of the Omicron variant. It's shit setting the fan. Shit's getting real. There's all sorts of bad takes out there. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to contribute <laughs> to either highlighting those or providing my own bad takes, other than to say that it's a serious situation right now, whether or not we have a game on Saturday. So we're going to, on this podcast, not make light of the situation, but we are going to just look past the the possibility of uh, the game getting canceled because that just means that's that's just that's not a fun listen. That's not a fun podcast, right, Jude? I mean, it's not it's not worth talking about. Um, you know, let's let's go with the information that we have at the time right now, and that is that there's going to be a game, and and I'm sure Brendan has done some prep for us that tell us about Oklahoma state. And we have a lot to say about what we've heard so far this week in terms of, uh, injuries and, and, uh, coaching situations and stuff. So let's, uh, let's go. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. So I got some, I got, I got some business to clean up. Apparently look, Apple podcast is the worst. I mean, it, it, I think it really is. Uh, but, it's the biggest, <laughs> so uh, it's what we, it's what we use uh, quite a bit of. Uh, and I will ask you guys, please get over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever review that you leave, I will read word word for word on the next OFT podcast. Problem is sometimes they kind of hide the reviews or delay the reviews, and I missed a couple, Jude, in the last time we spoke, which was actually a little over two weeks ago, I think. So I didn't. Yeah. So I, I I have two of them. I believe that I did not get a chance to read that I'm going to I'm going to get out of the way real quick here. So you guys ready for this? Yes, please. Both of them five stars, by the way. Uh, this one from uh, S1BH. Five stars could become one. Jude is entitled to his wet blanket take on Freeman's intro presser. But if Josh persists in saying that ginger ale is just Coke and Sprite, I'm changing this to one star. Verner's forever. Preach. I wasn't saying that it's – I did not say ginger ale is just. I am explaining to you the trade secret of what bartenders and and waiters and waitresses do all over the country. When they don't have ginger ale, they'll just do the thing. 
Like if I, you don't have white dry white wine for cooking, you you technically can use chicken stock. It'll taste like trash, but you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's that was the that that is the option that was up in the air to use. I am not support. I don't support that. I'm not a big ginger ale drinker myself. A little bit, but anyways, got my wife through three pregnancies. So no, ginger ale is not just Coke and Sprite. I'm saying, what I think that's, I think it was yeah, uh, Sprite and a splash of Coke is ginger ale, in the sense of I'm gonna someone's trying to trick somebody. Anyways, <laughs> my apologies to all you Werner lovers out there. Jesus, but he's got to be from Michigan. Guarantee yeah, he's from Michigan. Got to be. Guarantee it. Or you know what? Buffalo. You like Verner's up in Buffalo? I, I, I think so. I'm going to take a wild guess and say, say they do. It was the first city that came in mind. Anyways. Uh, five stars here from ND Fan in Louisiana. Just absolutely the best podcast. I've already left the Jeremiah Wusu Kormala five-star review before, but this is now our earned five-star Kyron Williams review. So listen, after Kelly left, I was one angry and upset person. I live in Louisiana and heard about heard for many days about how LSU stole my coach. However, the sweet sound on Brendan's song about BK was absolutely the thing I needed. It was an immediate uplifting of the Irish spirits, and I believe I have played it 100 times. I just, man, thanks for the downloads, bro. I just needed all three of you to sing it and figure out how to make it my ringtone. The hiring of Freeman and his royal coronation is just what was needed to say we are ND. So Jude, just enjoy it a little and dunk on everyone else. Go Irish and may that snake oil salesman have many losing seasons ahead of him. Nothing but losing seasons. So we need to record an album next year for Christmas. Instead of the... uh, the gift that is the Hawaii Bowl, which seemed like a re- really great idea this year. Hey, that's about the only way you could have gotten out. Hawaii Bowl coverage. I mean, at least we gave the fun ones. We gave the people what they what they needed, not necessarily we what sure, they wanted, but what they needed. We sure did. And I, I didn't go back and listen to it. Uh, in an entirety this year. <laughs> and I wish I would have, cause I want to know like now that there's all the changes with Kelly and, and all that, like, what did we say? <laughs> that, that, well, you know, somebody tweeted at us and said that there. I, that I had successfully um, predicted BYU Notre Dame in, in Las Vegas two years before oh, it yeah, actually right, was announced. I was so. probably telling you how much I hate that idea. Even though I understood the inevitability of it. Yeah. Well, at the time, too, uh, Las Vegas didn't have this palatial uh, palace of a stadium that they have now. But we, but we knew it was coming, though. Oh, we yeah, knew yeah. It was coming. We, we didn't know the parking was going to be so shitty. Apparently, that's a real thing. I mean, it can't be worse than the parking at Levi Stadium, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, they'd have to have fans at Levi Stadium for the <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. All right, so Notre Dame is they're they're out there. They had the uh, they had the mariachi band playing the fight song. 
which is going to be the only band uh, now that Notre Dame canceled uh, bringing their band. Um, got the mariachi band playing as they're getting off the plane. Uh, Marcus Freeman's bringing all of his, his 50 kids. Uh, and then like they <laughs> ushered them like immediately, like plane to press room, answer our questions. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I guess I would have been a little bit, uh, I would have been very annoyed and you would have seen it. Uh, had that been me, but Notre Dame is not paying me to be a head coach. They pay Marcus Freeman to do that now. Uh, I don't know, dude, did you get to see any of the clips? I mean, kind of first impressions of, of, of him kind of in that setting. Well, I I guess the the one thing I would say is I I appreciate his honesty. Um, He's been asked some questions about um, guys playing on offense and he's been like, (laughs) I was coaching up the defense. I really wasn't paying attention. Um, You know, I, I think that that speaks to, instead of like, I don't know. I think Kelly had a, Brian Kelly had a way of kind of BSing his way through the answer. And, you know, there'd be a lot of times where we'd kind of be scratching our heads going, what he just said doesn't line up with anything that we've experienced slash heard from other coaches. So I appreciate Marcus Freeman just saying like, look, I'm the new guy here. And if you want to talk about, you know, offensive things, I can say a couple of things generically, but I'm not, you know, I can't tell you about, you know, the, the cut rate of Logan Diggs versus Audric Estime. Like it's just, I'm not the guy, you know? And so he's going to be relying on, on, on Tommy Reese a lot. And, and I like that they put Tommy uh, front and center on some of these, these Fiesta Bowl conference calls. And I think Tommy's doing a good job holding his own. Uh, I thought he came prepared to answer questions um, recently about both coach Kelly and about Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state's tradition, which I, I'm not sure I could have really, uh, spoke as eloquently as Tommy did about that. Um, and so I, I, I've just, I've been impressed with the, uh, with the professionalism of the, of the office and also the, the, the candidness and the openness, the transparency. Um, I, and you were talking about the fact the other day they got to talk to John McNulty and how refreshing that was, um, because they really had never talked to him and, you know, now they want to talk to Lance Taylor. And I think that feels like that's going to be forthcoming, maybe not, you know, this week, but, uh, you know, soon. And, and I just like this, I like this whole Marcus at Freeman attitude of like, draw back the curtains and let the sunlight in. I, uh, I feel like we're burying the lead here. Um, especially for Josh, I feel like the lead's getting buried a little bit, but the, the real news that came out of this, the, uh, the presser with Freeman and uh, leading up to the Fiesta Bowl, and that is um, the new the new coach on, uh, or I guess new consultant coach on Notre Dame staff now. Who are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about uh, the governor of uh, Ohio. <laughs> the, 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 the president sweater. of Youngstown State. The president of Youngstown State, the uh, the man in the sweater vest, Jim Tressel, who Marcus Freeman tabbed as someone who he's really leaned into in this bowl prep. <laughs> in as order he should. To, as to he get should. this game ready. And you know what? Like, I kind of like it. I mean, what was – what did you not like about the Jim Tressel era at Ohio State besides not being – 
the conservativeness of um, perhaps his offensive philosophy. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, but other than that, I mean, all he did was win. I didn't like I didn't like how his glasses transitioned from light to dark. <laughs> I've always f- found that very freaky uh, when those guys oh, have the, the transitioning glasses. You know, it helps. It's, it helps it looks very uh, job molester. It's all, it's all part of the armor. Like, look, the sweater vest isn't just a piece of clothing. It is a no, battle it's, garment. It's like, it's, it's like Samson. You cut his hair, you take off that yeah. vest, and you're, you're automatically 15% weaker. Right, and the, gla- the glasses go with that. So, I mean, it's – you know, it's it's what you wear to war. Uh, and Jim Trestle was constantly at war. So uh, even if it was just <laughs> war with himself and war with emails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean. It's, I'm just so, I'm just sad I that he didn't trade tattoos used, for cash. I think Notre Dame fans that have a very healthy hatred for Ohio State are going to have to get used to the fact that your head coach is – an Ohio State alum, who's most of his contacts, like in the college world, are going to have major Ohio State ties. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just that's the way it is. Look, how many people actually even remember Mike Elston? Uh, <laughs> went to Michigan. Went to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, look, I think my my biggest heart has been for Elston over the over the years. And it's just like is dumbfounding to me uh, <laughs> that is Michigan. It's very Northwest Ohio. It's very four one nine of him uh, to be from Ohio, you know, from that part of the, this part of Ohio and go to Michigan. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think it is funny that you know there's a lot of you know a lot of Notre Dame fans that just anything Ohio State does, they're just you know killing on. And you're going to have to get used to the fact there's going to be a lot of those ties. And I think if they're honest with themselves, they're going to be happy with it in the long run. Oh, God, I mean, yeah. Dude, if we hired Fickle, it'd be the same. it would be the same thing. Yeah, yeah it would be the thing. same exact thing. And it's yeah. not like you're you're relying on a school that doesn't have a tradition of winning or their tradition of success is less than yours. I mean, it's, it's an, and it's an aspirational uh, university in terms of its performance on the field. I'm, I'm not talking necessarily about academic or culture, but um, you know, certainly about its football prowess since, you know, 2000 basically. Yeah. And I mean, the head coach of Notre Dame had a front row seat, I would assume uh, on the sidelines of seeing Anthony Gonzalez fumble the ball, fumble the ball in the Fiesta Bowl, right? <laughs> He had to have had a front row <laughs> seat to that game. I mean, he was on the roster, I, right? He was. I do appreciate he said the he fact, was there. I do appreciate the fact Freeman makes sure that people know that he did not play in that game. Yeah, he did not. But he was on the he sideline. He would have had a front row seat to Anthony Gonzalez, obviously fumbling the ball to everyone except for the officials that day. <laughs> so there was, uh, um, there was a game between Ohio State and Clemson a couple years ago. I want to say 2019 or 2018 which it came down to a disputed fumble call. And I snarkily tweeted the next morning, I'm hearing Ohio state fans were upset about a, you know, fumble call that didn't go their way or whatever. And included the, the gif of Anthony Gonzalez, like literally taking three steps and, um, and then fumbling and it not being called a fumble. And, 
I got I got some really good engagement on that one. <laughs> Suffice to say, <laughs> they didn't have the downvote button yet for that one. They did you? not have the downvote button for that one. So, so let's uh, I mean, let's just Brendan. I know you did a lot of uh, Okie State watching yeah. over the last couple of weeks. I, I did a little bit more. I I actually watched a two or three almost full games during the season. Uh, so I mean I. Before I let you loose, can I just say that I think Oklahoma State's just a little bit overrated. Uh, I don't quite see I don't I don't quite see the top tenishness of them, other than the fact that they just kept winning, which is you know which is as Notre Dame fans should. You know, we understand that. <laughs> yeah, we understand that. We we get yeah. it. We get it. You know, sometimes it's just all about winning you know, winning that game. I get it. But, uh, you know, as been pointed out by, by, by Reese and Freeman as well, you know, this isn't the Oklahoma state and by many people. I mean, if you'd be surprised if you haven't paid attention to Oklahoma state this year, I think you were surprised when you finally did watch them against Baylor, um, a championship weekend, that this isn't the same Oklahoma state that you're used to, um, at, at all. Um, number, number one, they, they do not, pass the ball around like crazy. Their quarterback isn't as good as what we're used to them having. There's no like uh Blitnikoff, you know, like worthy wide receiver and their defense plays lights out better yeah. than what we well, that were used yeah. to the past. So it's a huge shift in the program. I think it's more like coincidence and chance than something Mike Gundy was aiming for cooking up. I, I'm sure that I'm sure the, you, I haven't paid attention to his responses this week. Somebody's got to ask him though about you know the shift and the difference between his teams, and I'm sure you lean into like this is the plan all along or something like that. But there's no fucking way because this is just not the Mike Gundy team. And Oklahoma State's been a winning program, yeah. uh, you know, a, a high rate winning program over the years. So I just think this year they're a little overrated. They've gotten their wins. I don't. I think the Big Twelve was awful. Massively is massively overrated this year. Whatever rating you want to give them, I'm gonna say it's overrated. You want to say they were the sixth best conference? That's probably yes. too good. Yep, uh, they were the so, sixth best. I mean, you don't you don't think that it's uh, that it's of note that they had more than two thousand yards fewer passing this season than they had in 2017, 2015, and 2011. You don't think that that's that's of note. That I, well, I said their all, quarterback was nowhere near as good. No, they had, they had like they've had two five thousand yard seasons passing under uh, Gundy, and it was not this year when they had twenty eight hundred. <laughs> that that was that with this Spencer. No, not with this guy. <laughs> yeah, did I you, mean that's did pretty you, much the first thing that that I learned about Oklahoma State was you guys in the DMs being like Spencer Sanders is. I, I don't know trash. if garbage is the right word, but yeah. Just I mean, very impressive. Said. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, real Brandon Wimbush vibes as far as um, his acumen passing and his ability to run. Uh, so uh, we can get into it. Um, so I guess when you look at the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and I watched just about, I didn't watch uh, Southwest Missouri State and I didn't watch Tulsa, both of which, by the way, were one score games uh, to open the season. So for people who want to dunk on Notre Dame for struggling with Toledo, 
um, they beat Southwest Missouri State 23 to 16, and they beat Tulsa 28 to 23 to open the year. And then Boise State wasn't particularly good, um, and they won that game 21-20. So they opened the season kind of like Notre Dame did, um, only they didn't get that Wisconsin bump until you know they ended up playing West Virginia. Or not West Virginia, uh, TCU. But so, yeah, when I watch Oklahoma State offensively, um, it's it's hard, man. Like, I don't know what they want to do offensively. Both times they played Baylor, the games have been pretty much mere images of one another. The only difference is that their running back, Jalen Warren, was out for the Baylor game and the, the title game. And he's a thousand yard runner. But like, he's a thousand yard runner. And I say that sort of with like, yeah, I mean, he averaged 4.78 yards per carry. Um, he's got some home run threat, but I just, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never in any of the games that I've watched um, outside of the game against Texas, I've never, I've never really thought Jalen Warren was anything special as a running back. And I don't think he's probably going to play NFL football. I don't think they have an NFL football player on their entire offense. There is not a single one. Just yeah. interject real quick, um, because you you kind of brought it up, and I had said the Big Twelve was really down this year. I believe you know the Big Twelve for years and years and years is known for high scoring offenses and just defenses oh, yeah. that act like bullfighters in Ole. Yeah, and I think you know Oklahoma State's defense. I do believe they are good, but a Big Twelve just the offenses were not there this year that you think are normally there. They haven't like the, been there for uh, four years now. Yeah. Um, and, but it's still the same defenses. So a thousand yard rusher in that league. Right. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do not want, I'm not going to dismiss anyone rushing a thousand yards. I'm just not going to do it so lightly. But you, I think you hit it on the head when you said, does he really look like a threat? He got a thousand yards. Does he really look like a threat out there? I no, he's a good running back, but no. Like, how prolific I, do you think to 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 Because I was going to bring this up. How prolific of an offense do you think Notre Dame had this year? I mean, probably we're, top forty-five. They would have been the second highest scoring ranked offense in the Big Twelve this year. They would Notre have been Dame tied. Was, yeah, what was Texas. Notre Dame nationally? Um, nationally, Notre Dame was the um. Oh, I don't know. The uh, 20th. Oh, 50, shit. Are you, oh, 35, 35.3. Yeah, scoring. 35.3. Yeah. So Notre Dame would have been uh, tied with Texas for the second most prolific um, scoring offense in the league. Then it's Iowa State at 32.8, Baylor at 32.5, <laughs> Oklahoma at 30.6. And then it's just a cliff of like Texas Tech at 30. TCU at 28.7, West Virginia, 26.8, Kansas state at 26.3, um, Kansas at 20.8. I mean, this is not the, the big 12 offenses of, you know, a half decade ago when they had all of these prolific quarterbacks, quarterback play in the big 12 has just been absolutely dreadful from top to bottom. I mean, Oklahoma, you can, you can say, you know, what you want about Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, but, they couldn't decide on a guy and they were struggling to score points against Kansas. So uh, 
the quarterback play in this conference hasn't been over the last three years outside of Oklahoma, anything worth writing home about. I mean, the best quarterback probably has, you know, outside of an Oklahoma quarterback in the last five years has been, um, you know, Ellinger at, at Texas, right? So uh, it's it's not been a very good league for quarterbacks, and it's not been a very good league for for running backs either. So um, that's the interesting thing that I find, um, and we'll get to that in a second when we talk about their defenses. Is like I don't know how good their defense is because I don't think any of the offenses that they played this year and out of conference, like I said, Southeast Missouri State, Tulsa, and Boise State, none of those are very good offenses at all. And they held all those teams under 21. So um, there's there's some some questions. And I guess, like you said, the defenses aren't great either. Um, They're just playing against a lot of bad offenses. So it kind of masks their deficiency. That's not to say Oklahoma State doesn't have good players defensively. I think Malcolm Rodriguez, um, uh, a linebacker they have, uh, he's phenomenal. Um, I think. Colin Oliver, who's um, an edge rusher, he's got, you know, 10 and a half sacks. Um, he's probably going to be, and this is one of the things is like, I don't know if he's going to be the best pass rusher that Notre Dame plays this year. Um, because I, I don't think any of the, the guys that they've played, uh, the teams that they played have had particularly good, um, you know, offensive lines, but um he has a knack for getting after the quarterback and taking him to the ground, which, you know, we love Julian Aquara, but like, that's, that's not a talent that he particularly had. He wasn't able to seal the deal. And there's something to be said for a guy with 10 and a half sacks. Um, and that's, that's going to be a problem for Notre Dame. Um, yeah, just, this is, this is exactly where my concern is. It's not on the other side of the, of the ball or when Oklahoma yes. has the football, it's, it's when Notre Dame has the football, and, and and one thing we haven't talked about, although it came out this week, was the idea that Josh Lug isn't going to play. And now he's been playing her and you can you can say what you want about his performance. I don't think P, PFF has thought of him very highly. I think there's some on the beat that that is that the second best line on the team. Him. But having said that, um, you know, the idea that Blake Fisher is going to start after not having played all year. Um, I go back to sort of what our friend Greg said which is like there is I'm I'm 100 percent healed and then I'm also in game shape. Right. And so I'm just I have very I have very big concerns about tackles, freshman tackles on both sides, um, causing all sorts of problems for for Jack Cohn yep. in terms of, you know, getting through his progressions. And Colin Oliver is that guy that's going to do it. Um, he's that like Jermaine Johnson tier of pass rusher, um, you know, the, the kid at Florida State. And we saw what Florida State was able to do where. I think Notre Dame has certainly um, adjusted their and improved over the course of the year, their offensive line play, um, you know, the insertion of Joe Walt and Kane Madden settling in uh, certainly helped. But um, yeah, I, I think, but I am a firm not, believer in that they, they have not been tested significantly since that probably, I mean, you could argue Wisconsin, you could certainly argue Cincinnati, but they, they've played several weeks against um, bad defenses. And so this yeah. is a legit defense and this is really going to be a litmus test for the, this progression that we saw in the last six weeks of the season real, or is it just beating up 
I mean, they lead the they lead all of football in sacks. They have 54 sacks on the year. They're they're they have more sacks than anybody else in college football. Um, that's not to be discounted, regardless of the level of competition that they play. Um, you know, I see you know Western Michigan's up there with 43, but you know, the, 54 is a that that's a that's a that's a good number of sacks. So I think that um, defensively for Oklahoma State. Um, their ability to get after the quarterback, their ability to stop the run is also something that they're um, extremely adept at doing. I don't think that they've played any particularly good running teams, but I don't know if Notre Dame without Kyron Williams um, is a particularly talented running team. Um, and that's not to say that um, I don't think Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree can't have good days, but like what's what's going to be a good day? I mean, 50, 60 yards um, for one of them. Uh, sounds like it would be pretty good uh, going up against this Oklahoma State defense. Um, yeah, I, I, when 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 I look at their defense, if if you're gonna get them, you got to get them with big plays, big splash plays, and I I think that a lot of it's going to come down to whether or not Jack Cohn can get protection, how Notre Dame decides to use Tyler Buckner. Um, those are going to be some of the things that I'm interested in because uh, I think that they're going to be able to create havoc in the backfield for Notre Dame um, defensively. Uh, offensively for Oklahoma State, I mean, we, we touched on Spencer Sanders. He's he's a jack. Um, he makes bad decisions throwing the football. Um, I don't think that he's particularly accurate. They don't have a true uh, – wide receiver one, nor do I think they have a wide receiver two. I don't think that they have a real standout or game changer or somebody to look out for at the, at the wide receiver position. Um, and I he's emotionally a baby. He's an, yeah, he is a toddler. Like you can see him get down on himself. And I think that if Notre Dame is yelling at refs, screaming at refs at the big 12 championship game, like <laughs> get a hold of like, like you have no, you're going to have more, a lot more composure than that. And that wasn't the first time all season. That's his body language is fucking terrible. Yeah. It is so bad. If you get if you get to him just a little bit, you got him. And that's that's what and that's why like that emotion too is why he makes bad bad plays throwing the football, being careless with the football. Um, you know, this is a team that turns the ball over uh, at a I don't want to say prolific rate, but they. They turn the ball over with the best of them um, as far as, uh, you know, the, the the number of turnovers that they've lost this year. Oklahoma State in the nation, uh, they rank 79th. They've given the ball away 19 times this year, 13 picks. That's not good. It's not good. Um, and that's not what winning football teams do. And that's that's an area I think Notre Dame can take advantage of. Um, like I said, uh, running the football, I, I don't think that they're Jalen Warren's good, but I don't think that he's a game changer. I think that he's a guy that, that benefits from the kind of offense that presently they're trying to run. Spencer Sanders wants to run as well. Um, so he certainly benefits from teams having to take into account Spencer Sanders ability to run the football. Um, but I don't think that they have a game changer at the running back position. They certainly don't have it at the wide receiver position. And I don't think Spencer Sanders is a capable um, leader of their offense as a quarterback. So um, if Notre Dame, it's going to be a low scoring game probably. Uh, but I like if defensively, I think Notre Dame and Oklahoma state are very similar 
Um, I mean, they're, I think Notre Dame is ninth in points allowed, Oklahoma State seventh. Um, Notre Dame is no slouch at, at getting after the quarterback either. Um, what, what does Notre Dame have? 40 sacks? Um, they are, yeah, they have 40 sacks, so they're 11th in the nation. Oklahoma State's first. So defensively, these teams are very similar stat-wise. Um, but I think offensively, there's more things to like about what Notre Dame has and can possibly do than there is for Oklahoma State. Because when I watch Oklahoma State offensively, it is it is painful to watch these like slogging, endless drives. Um, it looks you know, like Kansas State. Not Oklahoma State. You know what? That's that's really good. It looks like uh, 2012 Kansas State is what it looks like. You know, with Optimus Klein, where he wasn't a very but at least Optimus Klein made better. He was a better leader, made better decisions. I I can't say enough poor things about about Spencer Sanders. I I mean I I hate shitting on a non-rival player as hard as I am now, but he's just not good. Like it's it's painful. You're right. Painful is a word. Like, I, I won't say I follow Oklahoma State, but I mean, I, I've kept tabs on them over the last decade plus pretty closely because they're, you know, they, Bethlehem always seems to be a key game every year uh, that they well, almost seemingly lose, except for this year. I mean, uh, Klein, Klein well, has, just, and they're, they're kind of a, it's not they're the kind state. of a peer in terms of, in terms of like sort of exactly the the trajectory of Notre Dame since since 2010. I mean, I like to I like to see things in the context of the Brian Kelly era, and Oklahoma State and Notre Dame sort of have similar tra- trajectories um, in terms of you know appearances in national championships right. or bowl games or certainly not the playoffs is a little unequal, but you know Oklahoma State has won a, a, a similar amount of games uh, against FBS opponents than that. Um, that and Notre Dame I believe does. I believe Oklahoma State. Um, I, I can't, I believe they were fucked out of a certain bowl spot, uh, because of Notre Dame during that time as well. I can't remember exactly which bowl it was or what year, but I do remember a strong, like, like Oklahoma state and Oregon slash Oregon. So there, there, there was some, some, uh, Notre Dame bashing by Oklahoma state fan base that kind of came out of nowhere, but it wasn't out of nowhere. It was because <laughs> yeah. of some shit like that. Well, so. so so let me ask you a question, too. Um, something that I like to keep track of and, and look at is, um, you know, and I did this last year for all the teams. Um, how many five and four star players do you think uh, Oklahoma State has? And just to put it into reference, Notre Dame has 44 uh, four star and one five star. How many, how many, how many four and five star players do you think Oklahoma State has? About half. I mean, less about than ten. They have six. They have six oh, yeah. four star players, which is less than the seven that Cincinnati had. So let me let me ask you this. Bro. So they're maximizing their talent. Yeah. Well, and they're playing in a bad conference too. I think I also. Say, but are they? Like one of the things about Notre Dame when Notre Dame goes up against elite teams. The like the biggest hammer point for everyone is talent differential. They will yep. bring up that exact same stat that Brennan just did. And I think we try to dismiss it. And then we actually then we see the game and it's like, ah, shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what happens if you got that much more talent. And I think yeah. this this week I've kind of, I've kind of like been thinking about that quite a bit where like when, when Tim Priester is like just fucking 
worried as shit about this game. And not to say that you should like this is going to be a cakewalk. I'm not saying that at all. But like when when people are like just really, you know, beating the drum for how good Oklahoma State is, and I'm thinking, all right, when you pick them, like what are you looking at? Because if if you're a believer in 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 re stars matter, and I think a lot of people are, when you look at the difference here, it's a huge difference. And we're talking, you are now in the 13th, 14th game of the season. That stuff starts really hitting home. So I just, I, I, Notre Dame is just a lot more talented than Oklahoma State, period. Period. And I, and I guess one, one thing too that I think that can't be undersold um, is that, like, obviously Notre Dame is without Brian Kelly for this game. You know, Marcus Marcus Freeman's here. The rest of the staff here. Other than Napoleon, maybe there'll be um, some serious uh, special team gaps. Maybe they'll do uh, a not fair catch a punt and decide to run it and <laughs> muff it. Um, but on the flip side, Jim Knowles is gone. Their defensive coordinator. He, right. He took his talents to Ohio State, um, and that means and he was their their play caller on defense and Notre Dame still has technically their play caller on defense there and Marcus Freeman. And I don't know what it's going to look like. It sounds like, uh, Elston said do, that. Yeah. Elston's going to do the majority of the play calling, but it will be a quote unquote collaboration. collaboration. Yeah. And there's no that's, collaboration for, that's how, for Oklahoma that's how it State, should be. Though. That's how it should yeah, be. Th- there's no, there's no collaboration. And we mentioned that lugs out for this game and the former, you know, starting left tackle from week one against Florida state is now healthy and back in Blake Fisher and starting at right tackle. Um, Oklahoma state's center is also injured and out for this game. So um, we know from experience that losing your center late in the season certainly has a lot of repercussions on your line play because that's the general of your offensive line. That's the guy that's calling out protections. That's the guy who makes snaps and um, snaps are kind of important, especially when you're in shotgun. Uh, So um, I'm interested to see what their backup center looks like. Um, his ability to call out protections, whether or not I don't, I, I think I asked you guys like, what was PFF grade? And it, it wasn't great, but I mean, there's more to a center than just the PFF grade. So um, I'm interested. I mean, that's, that's a, that's an interesting thing too. Notre Dame certainly is out Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams, but they're out their defensive coordinator, the guy who called their plays um, and set, put together this prolific 54 sack defense blitzing defense um so he had a knack for uh if you watch their games he had a knack for calling the blitz at the right time they're a blitzing team but they disguised a lot of their blitzes and it was really creative and his ability to like call a game was certainly something to to take of note and that's not there which i think is is certainly something interesting and when marcus freeman was talking about his defensive philosophy and calling games uh, for freeman's and he said that most of what he did and his bigger point of of emphasis was on the preparation leading into the game well they don't have the guy who's doing the preparation leading into this game nor the guy on the game day who's going to be calling the game at least notre dame will have the preparation of freeman being there um and at least having his input on it so i'm i'm interested to see how they call this defense because this defense that Oklahoma state will feature on the first will not be as good as the defense that played against Baylor 
in the second half. It will not be as good as that one. It, 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 that's just not possible. I mean, Ohio State doesn't hire him um, if, if, if that's not the case. Brandon, just to play maybe devil's advocate or maybe my self-professed role as Debbie Downer of this podcast, like, are you at all worried that, that we have been so accustomed to Brian Kelly, um, I guess, doing the little things right that we don't notice that, that Marcus Freeman might, might screw up one of these little things and it becomes a, a, a turning point in this game, whether it's, uh, you know, putting the wrong personnel on the field or, um, you know, just, just something that, that is just boneheaded that just makes you frustrated because that's what first time coaches do. I, I thought about that a lot. Um, so when I think about Brian Kelly as a head coach, um, and it, it's kind of sounds backhanded to say this, but the two things that I think Brian Kelly was the least adept and least skilled at doing were one recruiting. I don't think that he was a very good recruiter. We can all agree on that. Uh, at least, at least in, you know, his, um, drive to do so. Yeah. The effort. Like when I read the, the, the article, um, at football scoop and they said, you know, Brian Kelly is as tradition, they stay out in California so he can have a round of golf first and then recruiting, which (laughs) the, the round of, but the second thing that I don't think that Brian Kelly is particularly good at is game day coaching. I don't think that Brian Kelly was a very good game day coach. A lot of times, I mean, we defended it, but a lot of times Brian Kelly teams would come out looking a little flat. Um, there was times when Brian Kelly would yeah, throw the times. football in monsoons. Uh, that was certainly something. I think that he would get away from things uh, that worked. Michigan 2011 comes to mind, getting away from the running game. Um, the the game day decisions that Kelly made sometimes, I mean, that's not to say that he was an awful game day coach, but of the three facets of a head coach, I think his, his best skill was sort of his ability to manage a program and to build up a program, um, which I I think you might see that play out more in 2022 um, as Marcus is, you know, having to manage practice and stuff. Everything now is still, it's still in Kelly mode. Um, the, the assistants are just taking over as it moves forward. I, I don't think that there's a, a net loss. I, I don't think so. Um, for the, the game on the first, am I, am I off base here? I, I think we just, we need to watch the game. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't, I, 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 and I don't I know what kind of in-game coach. Mark yeah. That's the, that's the problem is I have, I have no sense um, and, and honestly, everything is just conjecture at this point, which is part of it, a paranoia of being a Notre Dame fan, which is like you, you immediately sort of go to worst case scenarios, um, because you've seen so many of them, if you've been with us long enough. Yeah. Um, and I think we take for granted, um, as you know, much as it might pain some people for me to compliment Brian Kelly, but I think we took for granted sort of how smoothly the, the operation ran on game days. You know, and so it's it could be anything. It really could be anything. It could be a, a a weird kink with the with the hotel or it could you know what I mean? Like just maybe something I know all those people still exist, but it just maybe something gets overlooked because he's I a first time coach. I have to interject here real quick. Fucking Prentice Hub. Are you fucking kidding me? Gentlemen, <laughs> since we've started this pot recording this podcast, I've been watching uh, the rest of the Notre Dame pick game, which has been absolutely incredible this second half. And by the way, those fucking ACC refs are just atrocious. 
I can't remember the last time Pitt hasn't had an end. Every fucking time they shoot it, it's they're, they're calling a foul. It's ridiculous. Uh, but Prentice Hub, who is uh, who has had some problems, uh, just nailed a shot with five seconds left in the game uh, for Notre Dame to go back up one. Uh, not sure how this is going to hand out. Five seconds is a lifetime of basketball, but 5.6. But uh, I'm excited. So if you hear a yell, uh, just let me know. It's, it's just it's just me. I've been like gripping the fucking desk watching uh, this basketball game. Uh, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Look, I, I do want to say something about, about the Brian Kelly thing. I would find it hopelessly hypocritical if I said that it didn't matter Brian Kelly, that Brian Kelly's not here. Um, if Brian Kelly didn't leave for LSU, we'd be talking to him up for the, you know, for yep. being what he is. Brendan's not wrong. Like the whole part about them coming out flat, there is a long history in big games of them coming out just and getting run over right up right off the bat for whatever reason. And there's something to it, whatever it is. So in this game and this game alone, I'm not talking about in 2022 season, but for this game alone, it's, it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a blessing BK isn't there because they really can't, they really have to come out swinging. How shocked would you be if they came out? Like big dick swinging. Like if, if, from top to bottom, how shocked would you be if they came if they came out in this game flat? Like, well, was, I guess if they came out flat, I would I would worry that there was some sort of illness going through the team. You know? Yeah. I, I, I think I, that's the only only the really thing. I mean, I, I think that there's a proper motivation to to win for Marcus Freeman. I think there's proper motivation that Marcus Freeman has gotten them talking about the narrative of winning for the season for the seniors and ending the season outright. I think there's plenty of. Um, there's probably ways to, to get yourself motivated. I'm just, you know, I, <laughs> I'm another, I, I worry about, Woo! I worry about things that are well outside the control. So I, I, but I mean, I watched the Clemson game, um, and Notre Dame came out flat in that ball game and didn't make any adjustments with what they were wanting to do offensively in that ball game. Um, and that was a, I mean, that was a, that was a trip. That was a chance to go to the national title. That was a college football playoff game and they came out flat. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you come out flat for the, you know, the big enchilada? Um, I just, I, I don't think Notre Dame knows how to win those games. I, I, um, I think Notre Dame knows how to win this type of game, but I think that that, that stage is just too, they, they take, they're playing teams like Clemson and Alabama who have been there before. And this is like old hat for them. The semifinal means nothing to them because they've they've been in the the final so many times. This feels you know? very much like a Stanford game. It, you, no, it, what this feels like is it feels like the Camping World Bowl against I mean, Iowa State, where a te- a try hard team full of middling three stars who from the Big Twelve from the Big Twelve, and you have a lot of the the media, the Notre Dame media, trying to build them into this sort of like you know, super team. And then, I mean, well, I was, you know, you don't get that from the Ohio state media. You don't. No. Well, no, you don't. I, I will say this. And, and I think I, I think I'm defending Tim Priester in this, in this right now, but I will say this, like something weird bounces funny with the, with the offense and seven points is going to be a lot in this game. 
And so seven points going the wrong way with the with their defense, picking up seven points for their offense. Um, it, 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 it concerns me to flip it around on the flip side though. Notre Dame has near the same stats and they have a quarterback who is loosey goosey with the football just to, and we watched it with Baylor, uh, in the, the Baylor game in the, the big 12 championship. And we watched it when they played Iowa state earlier in the year. Um, Notre Dame could also have the same thing where they get seven points in Iowa in Oklahoma state. Suddenly like that's a lot of points for them too. I, I, I just think that Notre Dame has better pieces on offense substantially. Um, I, I, I 100% agree with you. The other thing that I think is, you know, different about all these games is we've come into every one of these BCS New York, New York six games as the team that was supposed to lose. And we and we followed that script. Now we are the team that the team, the other team doesn't want to play. Oh shit. We got Notre Dame. You remember that, uh, that, that uh, viral video of the woman watching the, the playoff rankings revealed the Notre Dame fan. And she was like, please don't be Alabama. And there was Alabama. And she's like, ah, cause she knew we were fucked. Right. And yep, so, yep. um, I think this is the first time in which we get to play the kind of the big bullies or whatever. And worse and I don't know that that comes with expectations. I, I think that there's there's a sense amongst the Notre Dame fans that we're supposed to win this game. Um, and so we're going to take what's rightfully ours. So I like that. I, I really like that because I think that we've walked into a lot of games where we're like, ah, oh, shit, we got Ohio State and they really should have been in the playoffs. And now they're going to play us in the Fiesta Bowl. And like, you know, Joey Bosa is going to eat Deshaun Kaiser alive and, you know, just sort of like we're happy to be there sort of thing. And now I feel like, um, you know, you could, you certainly can make the argument. Oh, Oklahoma state was six inches away from the playoffs or whatever. But I think that we've, we've not even that they're like two inches. Yeah. I think we've covered it pretty well here that, um, this might be a little bit of a paper tiger. And, and to be honest with you, if I were to rank, you know, results that I think might happen in this game, I do think it's going to be a close game. But I think that the it's much more likely that Notre Dame wins a 33 to nine game than Oklahoma State wins a 33 to nine game. I would put both outcomes. Notre Dame wins close is the top. Notre Dame wins in a blowout as the second spot. Oh, really? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State wins close and then Oklahoma State wins in a blowout as number four. Yeah, no, I definitely would put Ohio State or Oklahoma State wins close a much higher than I guess you would. So because because I could see it being like 30 to 13. And that's a blowout. I could see it being 13 to 10. And that's what bothers me. I can't see it. I can't see 13 to 10. I just, I don't, feel, I don't feel that. <laughs> and did you score at all? Jude's point about it. Like, it's not, it's not massaging my back. Right. I, I got the, I get uh, the, the ticker at the bottom you? of the, um, I, and I get angry when I look at the ticker at the bottom of the, uh, when I'm watching these bowl games and like Notre Dame is one in four in the Fiesta bowl and they've lost four straight. And then you go back and you look at the four teams that they played in the Fiesta bowl. They played number four, Colorado in 95, got their doors blown off. Wow, they, they were number, six, four, and one. <laughs> they played number five Oregon State with TJ Huzmanzada and Chad Ochocinco and one of the most prolific passing offenses that the sport had seen to that point. Insane. Insane. <laughs> Lost 41 to nine. And then they played Ohio State in 2006, right? And I don't think that that was a blowout. Anthony Gonzalez fumbled and they probably should have won that game. Uh, but they were definitely the, it was four versus five. Ohio State was ranked higher. And then they played an Ohio State team that was might have been the best team in the country in 2016. 
So I, I guess the one thing that would that that I would say about all those teams is like they either got exposed in the bowl game or there was one game in the in the season where you were like, uh, this isn't going to go well in the bowl, right? Which yeah. is like two two thousand, like they were not a good team. They just weren't a good team, and like that that team. Well, was we not saw good. that at the end of the year, and sure. nobody and that team was not built to stop what Oregon State was trying to. What Oregon State was no, great at, right? That was the worst thing we could do. 2006 or 2000, I guess it'd be the 2005 season, right? Going into 2006 or whatever they got. Um, they, they were, uh, I mean, it, it was, it, it felt like, look, it, yeah. Okay. Close loss against number one USC or whatever, but it just, there was definitely some chinks in the, in the old armor there. Right. And so yeah. I, I'm the, I'm the number one defender of this game. Like, Oh, it was, you know, two minutes and 12 seconds left. It was a one score game or whatever. Did Notre um, Dame lose a game earlier that season? I can never remember. Yes. In 2005. Michigan State. Michigan State uh, in a, in a, when they planted the flag in the middle of the field of the triple overtime game. And that was not a good Michigan State team either. No. But, 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 Brendan, you know as well as I do, yeah. maybe just as much as I do, that September, like, first five game Michigan State is not the same football team. Especially pre pre D'Antonio Michigan, like those pre-Dan- John L teams, those John L teams, they were like, yeah, they were, they would have beat anybody in the country in September. And, they, and, and I think there's something to be said about the, them going to play Stanford, a really lousy Stanford team and only winning by seven uh, in a 38, well, 31 game right before that, before that Ohio state game. Like I, will, I, fe- I felt like with Ted Ginn and uh, Troy Smith, like they were, that was, that was going to be a real problem. I'm with you a little bit on that Stanford game, but I I do have to say though, number one, listen, finishing up in fucking California as your final game every year is a motherfucker. Please stop doing it. (laughs) Stop doing it. Uh, Brian Kelly isn't here anymore. Neither is Chuck Weiss. And you have private jets. Stop fucking ending up in California. It's the dumbest move you can make. And that is one of the, like the things I use to like show, like this is how close they were. There was not a good Stanford team. But there was a ton of pressure on that team. You got, you have to remember the, I think Keith Jackson was on the call on that game. You have to, like, the way that that game was billed was like, this is how much this bowl is worth. And they just kept pushing and pushing it. Like, the pressure to win this game was immense on Notre Dame. And it was just, for a regular season and for non-national title implications, it just seemed like a lot on there. And he had to go across the West Coast, and he had to play on that shit ass field. The fact that they just they got out of there with a win is was acceptable to me. I didn't I didn't pin too much on them for that. It was actually the Michigan State aerial assault. It was just it was a Michigan State game where you wondered going into um, that Ohio State game like how that was going to work. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I, it, was, good, it was really good those collection. Keith Jackson and Dan Fouts on this, the call for the Stanford game. So, yeah, it just, not to say that those players were here in the, the game being called, but all week long, that was something that was like the importance of that game was just incredible. Like it was as much of, there was as much pressure on Notre Dame to win that game as there was for Notre Dame to beat SC in 2018. You know what I mean? It was, it was, uh, it was on that kind of level. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) I I believe that Bill Connolly did a post game win expectancy on the the 2006 Fiesta Bowl, and it was just 
terrible. Um, and, and I don't know that I can call it up in, during this podcast, but, um, you know, look again, a couple of breaks go their way. They win that game. And we've certainly talked, we've certainly made reference to the fumble and, and the Zibby return for a score, which wouldn't, by the way, would not have been a score because it would have gotten called back for a, for penalty. But, um, there were, there were, there were opportunities to win that game. Having said that, they also gave up 600 offensive yards. I mean, it was just they were getting they were getting rocked. Uh, their defense was getting rocked. So, yeah, I think Blue Gray Sky did a like like a week after the the game, they did like an aftermath post of the big plays. Uh, it, if you go to bluegraysky.com, I'm sure it's still there in the archives, and I highly recommend it. And it just it does a great job of outlining. Basically, Ohio State beating the shit out of us, like in five plays. What the yeah. Gin Santonio had yes. the the eighty-five yeah. eighty-five yarder, yeah, yeah, and, and it just showed you really how how poor Notre Dame's defense was. You know, it's just like it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was not good. You had some playmakers on that team, and I'll I'll always you'll never get me to back down from saying if Justin Tuck was on that team, they're playing for a national championship. Well, yeah. He could have really made a difference. Uh, uh, yeah, edge rusher. <laughs> yeah. With well, a, first of all, I, th- a, th- I think with I a think back that end you, that was not that great. Well, I think you yeah. can make the. I think you could definitely make the argument they beat the number one Trojans, and then maybe they've got a different matchup, right? So you got that going for you. I don't know that they I, they could be well, possibly they would, they would have to going Texas. to national. They would have had to play Texas and Vince Young. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say that. that I was gonna say Vince that Young. that it gets. No, I will never say that. Yeah. But they have a chance. It's not like you you got that chance to win the game. But they would have been there. If Justin Tuck was on that team, they're playing for a national championship against Texas. No doubt about it. In terms of this game, though. Um, <laughs> where, did we, where did we leave off? I, yeah. In terms uh, of this game, though. Oh, but, um, by the way, yeah, j- just put a bow on this. I, I, there's no way that the the players who are playing in this game internalize any of what we just talked about. There's, no. if they watch the 2016 game, then they remember Zeke and and all that, and Jalen Smith and whatever. But there's no way that they have any knowledge or feeling about the 2005 six game or the 2000 2000 game. No, no the, way. the only the only impact any of these Fiesta Bowls had on this game is the events that transpired in the 2016 game of Jalen Smith blowing out his knee. And that's why we yeah, don't have Kyron, Kyron Williams and um, Kyle Hamilton playing in this game. Well, also, well, I mean, they, get, also they, have, they have better advice than Jalen Smith had. Well, not but, only, but I mean, that's, that's, that's really what set off of the opt outs was what well, happened to Jalen. But there's two things. There's the Jalen Smith thing. And then there's the idea that Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey also sat out the games and every freaking national sports pundit said, Oh, this is going to hurt their draft stock. And then they got picked what five and six in the NFL draft. Or yeah, whatever. Like the so NFL like, gave a fuck. So where the, where the GMs were saying, we don't fucking care if you don't play in these, like in the foster farms bowl, like literally come to us healthy, you know? So, well, I mean, G- uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, he was the next year and they, they, they were the next year. They were, they right, that's they what I'm saying. It was. Yeah. I think it was the combination of those two things. I, yeah. I mean, so it was, it, it's it's the, Jal- it's, it's the Jalen. Right. It, it's Jalen and Jake Butt, um, and seeing what happened to them, and knowing that, you know, obviously I don't know that they've talked to, to Jalen, but I pair, I shared the story about Jake Butt that he talked to the athletic or whatever, where he said the insurance payment that he got didn't cover 
the loss that he would have, you know, the income that he would have gotten. Right. And so there's a definite loss of income. And then the idea that literally GMs do not take the, will not, will not say, well, I was going to pick Kyle Hamilton fifth overall, but damn it. He didn't play in the Fiesta bowl. Right. You know, it's not like you need more tape for, for Kyle Hamilton. Right. And so but, I mean, we're talking about GMs and owners who just, this is my point. I've been trying to get across to Jude for, for years now is about the NFL draft. These motherfuckers are just wild cards there. I mean, there's so many busts in the first couple of rounds. Anyways, they don't give, they are not giving any credence to what the bowl game shit is. They, they got their charts. They got their notes. Al Davis saw someone run a fucking 40 real fast. And that was it. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's too many variables that outweigh completely whether or not a person plays, you know, in their bowl game. And listen, right. Christian McCaffrey was right. He's the softest. He's one of the softest running backs in the league. That dude can't stop getting hurt. I don't mean soft like as in he's not tough. He's just saying his body can't take it. So he's right. more than justified in not taking another beating. I mean, just look at his career at Stanford. He was hurt every year. Yeah. Look at his career at Carolina. He's hurt every fucking year. I, I mean, I, so, my, my feeling is that we should celebrate both. Like, if you want to play in your bowl game because, you know, you have some attitude of, like, these are the guys who got me here. Of course, I'm not going to abandon them in the 11th hour. Good for you. If you're a Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, and you want to sit out and protect your future, good for you. Like, yeah. literally, I, I support a, the players. There's a line, though. Like, it is. Yeah. Celebrate. I mean, yeah, you can go ahead and celebrate the, the guy that, that plays. But don't be a dick about it. Like, I, I've seen some – we all have. We've seen some terrible takes. But, like – Oh, that they, they shouldn't have been captains like, or, like, if, if they were – if they by signing up to be captains, they obligated themselves to yeah, play bowl games a, or pay the, send, pay the scholarship should, back. Right. They should awful. retroactively I mean, there, claw back There was a group of message board posters that was just, like, jerking off – to Sam Howell playing in his bowl game. Like there's a leader. There's a, he's got, but he's got a different situation too, because Kyle Hamilton is a guaranteed top five pick, top 10 pick guaranteed top 10 pick. Um, has competition. He's got competition. Like does Kyle, does the Sam Howell want to be the third quarterback taken or the fourth quarterback taken? And you're talking about millions of dollars. I I was going to say, you're talking about some significant impact here, which is like, I I don't think I've seen, and I haven't looked at all the mock drafts, but I don't think I've seen a mock draft that had Kyle Hamilton lower than 10, whereas Sam Hall, I bet you his variance is much greater. I saw one from PFF where they they gave him to the Steelers in like the the middle of the first round. And he was like, Kyle Hamilton is is without a doubt the number one player at his position. At a position that isn't graded as high in the league, but... If he is good enough, like, you know, an elite level of athlete that he can get that, he'll be in that elite level category of somewhere between one and 10. Right. Once he does the the combine and erases all the people's worries about the, about the soft pad issue or whatever the knee issue was like the fat pad issue, like he'll be like, people will put him all the way back up to where he belongs, which is one through 10. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's just as far as that kind of stuff goes and the NFL doesn't care about players playing in the league, playing in bowl games or any of that. I mean, like Dallas signed Greg Harder after he beat his girlfriend and threw on a bed full of AK 47s and whipped the bottom of her feet. 
Yeah. They signed him to a contract. I mean, Laramie like, Tunsil still got drafted, and a, a video of him hitting a bong and a gas mask came out like two minutes before he got drafted. Yeah, you know? it's just I, I, yeah, it's just with with that kind of stuff, it's like you got to be healthy. Um, yeah, of course. And it sucks for us. It sucks for the program. Sucks for the players. But like that, this like you got to do what's best for you ultimately is what it boils down to. And if you can't accept that somebody is doing what's best for their long-term future, then that's on you. That's a you problem. The other thing is I I couldn't help but smirk when some segment of the Notre Dame fan base was like, look at the Ohio state wide receivers. They could get hurt too. And they're not opting out of the Rose bowl. And they all are like, you spoke too soon, friend. Like literally, (laughs) you know, like people opt out hours before the game because like, you know, like I would say this is more of the combine than the, than the, than the, um, than the bulls. But like, I remember it was, uh, like Quentin Nelson didn't run a 40 or somebody like, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't run a 40. Cause like they wake up that morning and they're like, yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It will. Well, that's what happened with like, if you want to circle back to Jake, Butt, um, Jabril peppers and Jake, Butt both got sick the yeah. week leading up to the game. And, um, he, they he had, had Jake Buck on the, and he, well, they brought like he was on the he was on Sirius XM this week and I heard the interview with Jake Butt and he was like, um, you know, we both got sick and, you know, he kind of took it and didn't want to didn't want to risk playing, you know, because he'd been sick all week and they were fine for the game. But then Jake Butt played and then he said that when, um, you know, Jabril, Jabril couldn't even look him in the face, even look him in the face when he came. Yeah. Out. When he got hurt because Jabril knew he was oh, yeah. like, damn friend, you know, <laughs> Ah, man, bull season. I mean, there's just, <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's, I love it. I love the intrigue. Was, I love the, the, I don't, I, I don't just so much. I love don't know, like, I literally don't know games. how you bet these games. I have no idea how you bet these games because uh, if you're putting it down a bet before 20 minutes before kickoff, like you deserve what you get because like, it's just, there's so many weird opt outs and COVID thing. And just like, it's just, it's, it's been very like, you just don't really don't like, Oklahoma state's playing without their defensive coordinator. Like that's got to mean something to the line, right? Like it just, it's, it's crazy. I don't know how people do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, I haven't put a single dollar on a bowl game. Um, the only one I mind is, is Notre Dame, um, just because as is tradition. I also see a lot of people dunking on SEC teams and saying, oh, SEC teams are 0-2 in the bowl games or whatever. It's like, 
Yeah, well, let's wait until some of the better SEC teams start playing before <laughs> there's, we there's before two we, of them. Yeah, before they, we cap that. You know, an SEC team might very well lose the final football game of the 2021 season, but an SEC team might very well win might win that too against yeah. the, the other one. Now I saw Mississippi State's getting waxed tonight, right, by Texas Tech. So yeah, I guess yeah. there's another one for the for the old ledger. But again, let's. Let's wait until some of these better SEC teams have played because, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a top heavy league and or top heavy conference. Right, but they're not viewed like that. No, because they chant their conference name. Okay. Right? They they do the SEC, right? And and this is so like Mississippi State can feel good about themselves that their program is basically a middling seven to eight win team every year. Is they can say, ah, oh, we're in the SEC, and they they can find joy in the fact that the other people – and this is what I don't understand about conferences and why – I don't understand anyone who roots for a conference or like to have your conferences find success. Um, I, like, I, I don't know if, why you if I If that. I were an Ohio State fan and Michigan won the national championship, I wouldn't be happy about that. I wouldn't be like, go Big Ten. I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah, because that hurts your recruiting. I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. these people. And, and again, that's what was wrong with that article that suggested that we root for Michigan because we got to break up some of the, the blue bloods and inject new life. No, like their name, no, Michigan, no, no, no. Their name is recruiting against Michigan. Like we can, we absolutely cannot have them win the national championship. It's bad enough. They're in the playoffs. The, the best thing we can do is they lose 38, nothing in their yeah. game. They get that Michigan state Alabama or the was yeah. Michigan state, Alabama, 38, nothing where people uh, where I, Kirk Street spends the whole second half talking about how they didn't deserve to be here. And boy, maybe we should have put in a more deserving team in there. And who should have that been? And openly speculating that Michigan didn't belong in that field. Yeah. I mean. can't think of a, I've had some, listen, I've had, I've been doing this for a long time and I've had my fair share of just absolutely awful takes. But not one single time did any of those takes include wanting Michigan to win a football game. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, none of it makes never, ever, fucking ever, ever. Jude, did we have this, this throw down like a couple of years ago, like after we beat Michigan, wasn't it? Like some fans are like, oh, you want Michigan? I don't care if they lose every single game after that. I don't give a fuck about their impact yeah. or the schedule. I believe it was like 2019 is like, well, now that we've lost to Michigan. Oh, no. It's yeah. in 2018 because you beat them. And then you're like, you want Michigan to do well because it's a better win for your resume. It's like, no, fuck Michigan forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, Literally. Listen, maybe, I hope they lose listen, every single game. If you are a fan of Iowa State or Indiana or fucking Oregon State, something like that, maybe, then you can go ahead and root for Michigan because you want something kind of mix it up. But if you were a team like Notre Dame or teams that are like actually fighting for a national championship during the year, you are not wanting the status quo to change because you weren't the one that fucking changed it. It is perfectly fine for Alabama to win the national championship this year. Roll Tide. I don't care. Well, the other thing is it, you have a viable option. If, if your belief is to, that we need to break up the SEC yeah, monopoly or Cincinnati whatever, then, the then root for Cincinnati, damn it. You know? We lost to the team that won the freaking national championship when undefeated. You know? 
Which is what Notre Dame does a pretty good job of doing these last <laughs> this last decade, yeah. right? Losing yeah, the right. eventual national we, title. And this is a former Cincinnati adjacent podcast. Former. So I mean, it would we be broke the, up in October, but yes, we did. It was a bad breakup. It was it was messy. Uh, it was it was messy. Than the Brian shit. Kelly thing. <laughs> Mitch stole my shit. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, it's just that this is the terrible take. If you're not the one changing the status quo. You don't want anyone else to do it. Yeah. If you're if you're in the running to change it. You want me to root for Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl? Yeah, I will do that. You want me to root for Michigan over Georgia? No, go fuck yourself. No. No, yeah. you don't root Sorry. for Toledo either. What the fuck? God damn, Jude. Did you <laughs> learn anything from this podcast? No. There's a deep seated hatred for from from Josh uh, for the city of Toledo and their <laughs> inclusion into his uh, into All his right. state. Fair enough. You want me to root for some team that Notre Dame beat this season that is also in a bowl? Fine. I can do that. Wait, wait, wait. Jude, are you going to root for North Carolina? Is that recruiting model really what you're hey, looking Sam for? <laughs> hey, Sam Howell's my boy. I, I mean, I, I, I became a huge Sam Howell To be honest fan. with you, this is tough for me because Shane Beamer actively dislikes Mayo and does not want it dumped on his head. But then Mac Brown had an all-time quote which just said, you can hit me in the face with a <laughs> frying pan as long as we win. Like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know who deserves the mayo bath more. I want to see the guy unwilling to get the mayo bath. Yeah, I, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I, I mean, I have a. I don't have a just not a substance that I want to see dumped on another man. I don't have a distaste I, for Mac Brown. <laughs> I have a distaste for the Mac Brown takes that were going out there. Oh God, yeah. But but I do like I did a, I did come to appreciate Sam Howell quite a bit this season. Yeah. Uh, and so and this it has nothing to do with him opting in to play the game this game i just i i, I back that dude I'll, I'll back sam howell till he retires from the nfl so i'll break i'll break out my my wonderfully designed north carolina home field t-shirt for that game um josh let me pose this to you is sam howell the nick miller of college football Ooh, that's a compliment. That is a big one. Here's yes. My argument. Here's my argument for that. The He's same the kind of guy that when you, when you start off, you're just like, I'm not going to like this guy. And then you have a grudging respect for him by the end. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, that's, that's a good way to put it. That's it. That's a, I think that's a really good way to put it. Because his quirks yeah. just get to you. <laughs> And he, I mean, he's a, he's a fucking likable guy. He is a likable despite brother. despite the flaws. Like the flaws aren't big enough to care about, right? Like, and he never he never beat Notre Dame, so you know what? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like like he didn't he he caused me no harm. He'll be a no villain. No Sam Howell will never be in a villain's like, podcast. Like if if you're if you're Schmidt, Nick didn't fuck CC. You know what I mean? Oh, of course not. Jess, you know whatever. Jess. What I was getting to was the lead into home field. A lot of Christmas picks out there of everyone rolling on in with your your beautiful home field gear. And just to make sure everyone knows, there is a big new Saturday season three coming up in January. A very basketball centric. And I'm actually really excited for this, guys, because let's think about the, the possibilities of like schools like Niagara, I mean, just 
just go ahead and throw in like any Atlantic 10 school. You how about, have. uh, how about some Gales merchandise? I could really go for some. St. Oh Mary's. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Gonzaga. It's going to be um, uh, Georgetown, right? Georgetown's going to be there. Uh, basically, well, Cincinnati it's not even. Cincinnati's George, definitely already in there, I oh, believe. G- oh, are they? Oh, they're Yeah, I believe go. Georgetown already has a deal. I feel like What's, it's going to be a lot of uh, Big East. <laughs> the Big East, right? The old, <laughs> the old Big yeah. St. John, John's. Big East, yeah. What's yeah. funny is that, is that uh, Cincinnati was a school that was going to be in this one as a basketball school. And here they are in the college football playoff home field, you know, released the, the one shirt uh, and they had admitted that they were going to be in season three. So uh, that's, that's a little yeah, funny. Probably. I think there's, I think there's a 100% chance that if Cincinnati beats uh, wins its semifinal game that we're going to see home field apparel about three seconds after the, after the final gun. I, I can't believe they didn't do it when they got in. I think that was a, they don't want. Yep. Here's the thing: this is, is, this is our ad. They read. don't want to break the the home I'm field magic. About make it money. That was a big mistake, but not just release the whole damn thing uh, as soon as they got into the playoff. <laughs> they they don't want to break up the 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 mystique that is the home field uh, magic. And like you're going up against Alabama, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna test the home field magic against Alabama, are you? Are you? No, you'll wait till the game is the game is in hand, then you'll release it. That's that's the smarter play, I think. When Alabama's I up mean, thirty-five to ten, you release it. Cincinnati's already tested no, fake because no. they're going to be wearing no, the no, black no. jerseys. If right? when Alabama's up thirty-five to ten, you go with Plan A, which was putting in Cincinnati as a basketball school during the big new Saturday season three. <laughs> when 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 uh, Cincinnati shocks the world and wins twenty-seven twenty-four over Alabama. That's when you literally drop shit and you're just like, we're starting now. I just, I just know that Josh is going to be really excited to wear some Wichita state shockers gear. That's, that, that is a, get that's that a corn man one. on there. That's, that's all, you know, get, the Wichita give me George, give me George Mason or give me death. <laughs> well, uh, the Wichita state's going to sell good too. Cause, cause of fucking Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. That's Everyone's true. Like yeah. Massive love for the man. They'll, They'll make that a part of their reason. Like I, I love Lasso too much. I had to get the Wichita State shirt. There'll be stuff like that. But I mean, it just you, you want to get back to like the NCAA. Like think about the NCAA tournament, like Santa Clara. You know, yeah. B- before Steve Nash. before the uh, oh god, who was it that beat Virginia? Was it? It was um, oh Richmond. No, 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 no. That's another good one to put in there. The spiders. Who Rich fucking beat Virginia? 16-1. Out. The Terriers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Terriers. Yeah. Who? Anyways. I don't know. Richmond's not in like, here. I could have sworn Richmond had a collection, but I guess not. No, no. You need a spider collection. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I mean, Homefield is ran by uh, Indiana people. And there is a very salty uh, loss to Richmond in the NCAA tournament. So, so well, I, I haven't seen too many grudges held by uh, by the home field crew, uh, but maybe there's a long held Richmond grudge. I don't know. Could be. Uh, but anyways, that's coming up. And I, how that works is I think it's 
<clears throat> this may not be entirely accurate, but I believe <laughs> it's close enough. It's like 20 bucks a week. Uh, it was 16 weeks, the uh, uh, season two. Uh, they'll let you know what it is. You, just, you get two passes, 20 bucks a t-shirt instead of the, uh, so the 28 or whatever it is, or maybe it's 25 bucks a t-shirt. I can't remember. Uh, but it's, it's dope. It's kind of a fun way of, of adding some cool shirts to your collection. I have, you know, I never would have bought a Minnesota Gophers hockey shirt. I love that shirt. It's in my collection. Uh, I get to wear a Georgia shirt, uh, <laughs> uh, coming up. Uh, that I own and absolutely like sport that rock that 100%. Uh, I never would have bought one of those. I got one of those, uh, Tennessee. I mean, it's just, there's, there's just some cool, cool stuff. Uh, and, uh, I cannot wait to see which schools they pull out of the woodworks for, uh, for season three. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Com, folks. Go get your, go get yourself signed up. Go get your shit. All right. Let's get to some picks. All right. We got this. You, uh, you decided on what we're doing now, right, Brendan? Yeah, so I went. Are we picking uh, the LSU game? Because I really want to pick the Texas Bowl game. I can. I'll put the LSU game on there. Um, I mean, the LSU Kelly game can, is being is played. Brian Kelly, is it's he being played so late, game? we could probably do another podcast and still get in the LSU game pick. Brian Kelly's not going to coach that game, right? He's, he's going to be busy doing whatever Brian Kelly does. Standing on the sidelines looking important, I think, right? Yeah, uh, arms crossed. Uh, oh, boy. Don't tell Susan Pollard. Much to the chagrin <laughs> of Susan Pollard. Uh, arms crossed. Uh, yeah, I'll put the, that, that game in there. Um, so let's get to it. Uh, so the way that I picked it was I, I grabbed ranked first ranked matchups, New Year's Six playoffs. Sound good? Okay. Okay. All right, so let's uh, let's do the the because Jude asked for it. Let's do the LSU Tigers <laughs> playing the Kansas State Wildcats in uh, Kansas in the Tax Act Texas Bowl, and Kansas State is a three and a half point favorite. Who you got? I mean, uh, look, even if I wasn't doing this out of spiteful. Uh, <laughs> I would still pick Kansas State. I don't think LSU has any desire to be at this game, and I I think three and a half is easily coverable. I like Kansas State by more than a touchdown here. Um, I'm going to pick LSU. I think that uh, with Brian Kelly watching, um, and you know he runs a family operation out there, uh, they're going to want to play for their family and get it done for them. It's so funny. I too, I'm so willing. I'm so willing to buy into the. They'll do it for Marcus Freeman hype, but so unwilling to buy into the. They'll do it for Brian Kelly hype. <laughs> I, I too am uh, taking LSU because you know what? Fuck the Big Twelve. They're horrible. They are horrible. <laughs> That's my only reason that I need. I don't think you need any other. Um, in the most, is there a bowl committee or I guess a bowl delegation? That is more sad than the Peach Bowl. Oh God, uh, no! Uh, so Michigan State. Well, I guess is, the barstool fucks. They probably oh, are pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. I think they <laughs> Portnoy is not feeling too good. Um, so but good for as a, good, as a Chips uh, alum, you're probably pretty psyched about get the that payday there. instead of getting. Well, now the you like, can watch the game and don't have to choose between a YouTube stream and the college football playoff. My God. 
Yeah. Oof. You know, and you know what? It's, uh, I like I like at least one bowl game not on ESPN. So <laughs> get that CBS game is uh Sun Bowl. Yeah, Sun Bowl is a bonus. I mean, Sun, Sun Bowl is a class. I mean, to me, the Sun Bowl is a classic bowl game. It's an institution. It's a classic bowl. It's an institution. It's been around since I was a kid, so it's fucking classic. And you know what? My, a tip of the cap to the chips for bringing home that money to the Mac. You know, and if it's good enough for Tony the Tiger, it's good enough for me. <laughs> you know, I saw a tweet about something like every time Tony the Tiger uh, sends a tweet out, he gets attacked by uh, by furries wanting sex tweets. Ooh. It doesn't surprise me. Um, good yeah, Lord. Just the energy that's weird. Yeah. I, um, I didn't know that I was still a thing. I shouldn't kink shame. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, I just, I just yeah, opened the kink shame. Don't yuck their yum, Jude. I was going to say it. That's your thing. <laughs> I didn't realize it was still oh, a my thing. My apologies. Oh, it, it'll never die. Oh, no, um, no. Yeah. I bet you it's even growing popular. Oh, They're having yeah. conventions and stuff, too. Yeah. Well, hey, what, speaking, of con- speaking of conventions, um, conventional wisdom would say that if Pittsburgh lost their do-everything quarterback, Kenny Pickett, Michigan State being a two and a half point favorite in this game is free money. Josh, what do you think? Is is Michigan State free money here? No. <laughs> no. No. Give me that pit magic. All in on Nick Patty. I just think it's gonna look, I am not That's a great this is name. Not a, this is not a uh a Narduzzi. Uh, this is not a nod to Narduzzi. I just think there's going to be some kind of car. Like that's a lot of money that they're that Michigan state's paying up up there. I just think there's some kind of karma like whiplash. Cause that really caused that, that contract caused a lot of whiplash across college football. Yeah, it sure did. And so I just think there's a karma thing involved here. And, uh, Get put there. Yeah, get put there win. Oof. Okay, so I watched Ian Book the other night, and boy, I, I really regretted doing that. Um, you know, I think that maybe, not to make too many parallels, but there's only so much you can do with a guy who really doesn't play, right? Having said that, I think that the bones of the of the Pittsburgh Panthers are are solid, I just don't know how much of that rests on Kenny Pickett being, you know, a transformational transcend transcending quarterback. Having said that, Kenneth Walker is <laughs> also not playing. Sure ah. isn't. And I know if I pit pick pit, Brendan's definitely gonna have the door wide open for Michigan State. Ah. I mean, I gotta pick Michigan State. I just I I just can't. I gotta like I gotta take the two and a half points and 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 think that Nick Patty just can't get it done. I don't know. Maybe that's bad. I don't think that you're entirely off. I mean, Pitt's still got Jordan Addison, who's the Blitnikoff winner, right? Yep. Uh, but how much of that was Kenny Pickett? And I yeah. don't think that either of um, Pitt's running backs, and they do a running back by committee with Vincent Davis and Israel. I'm uh, not going to play him anymore. <laughs> I can't um, play here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they don't have a particularly, I mean, Kenny Pickett was the team. 
I'm going to go Michigan State as well. I feel real. No, 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 no. I think in my confidence pool, even with the opt-outs, I put Pittsburgh in there just because. Um, yeah, give, and give me Michigan State. I, I just don't feel good about the best player on each team. And then I, I still think that Peyton Thorne and I'm not sure the status of Michigan State's wide receivers with Jalen Naylor and stuff. Um, but I think that Thorne is a better quarterback than either of the two pit running backs. So um, give me Michigan State. I feel yeah, I, just, about I, I did just look it up. I have apparently 35 confidence points on Pittsburgh winning. So clearly I'm, me too. <laughs> I'm schizophrenic here in my picking. But Yeah, well. me too. Um, well, here's the opt-out bowl part two. <laughs> uh, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I don't give a fuck about the Have you ever watched the Rose Bowl parade? I haven't. I don't give a no, fuck why about would you? Bowl. Why would you do that? No. Um, I didn't even grand- watch it when we were in the we, – uh, well, I don't even know if they had a parade when we were in it I last year. Yeah, I think they did. Um, it probably was really sad. Was it in California or it was in Arlington? It probably was in California. Yeah. Well, I don't That's know. So I, don't, I don't know what old uh, old Greggy Newsom had uh, going on with their ability to parade at that point. Um, but, yeah, so Ohio State is playing Utah. Ohio State's still a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They still got C.J. Stroud. Um, so, I mean, they still got Henderson. They still have weapons. Um, do you have any? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pick this one first. Um, I just – I think Ohio State, even without their receivers um, on the ground, is going to be capable enough to beat up um, – and exact some revenge, even though they weren't able to beat the team that <laughs> that uh, played that they lost to in the the, the title game. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State. I I just don't have any faith in in Utah winning this game. Uh, I have. I I I do. Should let Josh go first. <clears throat> the pulse of Ohio State. That's true. Yeah. Look, they got a lot of guys out. It's not just, I mean, it's starting left tackles out. I thought right? Ohio State, starting tackles out. Yeah, Ohio State was susceptible all year. Like, like they were able to get got this year. Yeah, uh, but you know they the were able to. Ohio State they won some games. They, they they got it around got it around together. But I just that's a lot of guys out. It's a lot. Now, what did Michigan do to Ohio State? In Ann Arbor, the weather had a huge effect. It took it took their wide receivers partially out of the game, not completely, but it, it did have an effect on their big passing game. So, regardless of what five star you're you're you bring it off the bench, it's still not you know Wilson and Olave. And Ohio State's defense had a hard time stopping the run. Like especially you talking, they they run a power game. I just give me the Utes. I just there's a lot going on there with that program. There's a you know they they had a death in the program before the season started. There, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of want there by Utah, and I think it's I think that's as important as anything. Uh, so you know a lot of want, and it's a good Utah's a good, well coached team. It's 
you know, maybe Day's got a foot out the door. Ooh, You've got all these guys jumping in the NFL. I think there's just there's a lot more commotion going on in the Ohio State program right now than we're used to in the postseason as far as like this kind of stuff. And combo of Tavion Thomas and Cameron Rising. Yeah. So I just yeah, give me Utah. I, I think it's gonna be a close game, but I think Utah ends up, you know, pulling this out. And I think a lot you know, a lot of the, the noise about Ohio State is that you know the guys on offense opting out, but their defense wasn't that great. Right? And their like, best player defensively also opted out. Yes. So I mean, yeah, give me Utah. I would say, so, I, what's the spread on that, Brendan? Uh, it's it's four and a half. I mean, and Haskell Garrett, their D tackle, um, who led the team in sacks and is first round pick, uh, he he opted out. He's one of the guys that did, including their left tackle Nicholas Petit Ferrer. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, the guy that we were recruiting and we were in for before he stand left. Yep. Okay, so a couple of things here. One is, have you seen the Utah helmets for the Rose Bowl? Because they are Gorgeous. freaking sweet. Uh, that's Gorgeous. one thing I do love about the Rose Bowls is when teams yes. do play. Incorporate the lo- Rose into the uniforms. Oh, we can all agree so that the best one was the, the, the TCU, right? Where they put the Rose in the frog's mouth. Yes. I love Pretty that. good. I love that. Pretty good. Uh, the other thing is that Britton Covey has been a um, – Wide receiver at um, Utah, right? For is it been seven years? Hundred seventy <laughs> years. Yeah. Um, he's he's one Sean Crawford. Brian, Cardinal. During during Cardinal. that during that time, he's taught uh, his teammates one habit of highly effective people every year he's been there, and now they have achieved all seven, and that's all why they're going seven. to the Rose Bowl. Uh, um, what about the deadly sins? <laughs> well, I don't think his grandfather wrote anything about deadly sins. So, <laughs> um, having said all that, <laughs> give me Ohio State. This feels like an easy one. <laughs> I just wanted to make jokes. <laughs> all right. I mean, does he I, play Prince? All seven? Or, go ahead. So the next one. Um, Circling back to the SEC, now we're getting to some of the the cash of the SEC. Ole Miss is playing Baylor. And Ole Miss is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'll go first. I can't believe this line is that low. I think think Ole Miss is going to crush them. Fuck the Big 12. I think think Lane Kiffin's going to walk in there, big dick swinging. I think they crush them. Matt Carroll is playing, right? Yes. Yeah. He's playing. Yeah. Uh, I also strongly feel that Ole Miss is going to beat uh, Baylor here. So I will let graciously lay the one. What did you say? One and a half points? One and a yeah. half. So, Man. so tiny. Um. I can't in good conscience allow it to go chalk. Uh, okay. Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. So I'm so going to take, take the, trash, the trash Baylor team that I think is awful, <laughs> uh, but I backed into a corner, and I'm going to pick Baylor because I do need to to pick up some uh, 
some 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 spots on there. So give me give me Baylor uh, defensively. I can't wait to force Brendan to take Iowa. Uh, I have lines to draw here. <laughs> uh, so the next game it is a ranked first ranked. It's not year six, but it's ranked first ranked. Um, so we have Kentucky playing Iowa, and Kentucky is a three point favorite against um, the prolific offense that Kurt France is bringing. Kurt France and his son, uh, his son is the OC of this prolific the Iowa. former number two ranked team in the country, Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Um, so you know what? I'm not. I'm not even going to give you the opportunity, Jude. Okay. Give me Kentucky. So okay. I don't want to get backed into a corner of, of having to pick Iowa. Give me Kentucky because I think Iowa is offensively one of the worst teams in college football. So g- give me uh, give me Kentucky. You guys can do whatever you want. So uh, if I pick Kentucky, I've got to lay three. Is that what i got to do? Yeah. Ugh. Um, God damn it. Give me Iowa. <laughs> I just put Iowa. I, I just, I, it's strategic. I think. I'm so glad you're ridiculous because I was I damn near thinking about talking. I was, I said there the whole time, like talking myself into taking Iowa. It's so dumb. And I never so do that. I, I just go, I just go with how I feel. I don't care about the, about the standings. But I'm sitting there like, yeah, maybe I should think of, rethink this about Iowa. And then you come along, Jude. It totally redeemed. It's funny. I have uh, I have Kentucky winning this game in my Capital One Bowl mania, but I've only put three confidence points on it because I just honestly don't know which one of these teams is going to bother to show up for the old Citrus Bowl. Are just they're not good offenses. So so I just I just went from almost picking Iowa to give me Kentucky and fucking by seventeen. What was the bit earlier in the season that, that Josh said Iowa was trash? Break wasn't he the biggest Penn State defender in the world for It wasn't it wasn't defending Penn State. It was not defending <laughs> Penn State. Never once that defended. It was knocking everybody for this Iowa trash. They were trash. And we saw it in the Big Ten title game. And I mean you saw it if you watched oh. Iowa play football. And just everyone who's rooting for Notre Every Notre Dame fan who is rooting for Iowa got a firsthand look, glimpse into the <laughs> what being an Iowa fan is all about. Being an Iowa fan is it just the depression of seeing how do you this, live that like, life? God, it would be awful. Kurt Ferentz has a lifetime contract, and their offense is one of the worst that you could possibly ever watch. And, and who's you the can't coordinator? fire the offensive coordinator because it's Kurt Ferentz's son. Oh my mom, God, it would be yeah. hell. It would be hell. Oh God. Well, I, I mean, it worked out pretty well with Lou and Skip Holtz. I will say that. So different dynamic, different dynamic. Yeah. But Skip was there for what? Two years. That's, that sounds about right. I mean, in terms of OC, yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, yeah. Skip's got, Hey, Skip's got a fucking statue. Where? UCS? Yes. At Notre Dame. Jonas Gray. At Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. He's got a statue outside the stadium. Oh, is he there? Is he with Lou on the, the statue? He's, he's definitely with yes. Lou in that statue. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I don't know if it still says it, but the game day dot, and the, hope, d- dot edu website used to say that it was Tony Rice. I'm like, no, my friend, that is Skip Holtz. <laughs> you know what? Definitely not Tony Rice. I definitely not Tony Rice. In 2011, and there was a lot of lightning, and I hope lightning hit that fucking statue because fuck you, Skip Holtz. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think it did. So. No, it didn't. Should it, it hit the it ball? Travis Gray's hand as he fumbled at the one. It hit Brian Kelly's head. Ugh. No, it, the only thing that hit anyone's head was TJ Jones, or was it TJ Jones, or was it uh, Theo Riddick's head that the ball bounced off of with a pick in the end zone? It was Jones. Oh God! Right. Yeah, it was TJ. Oh boy. All right. So the next one, and this game, I think, is going to be Buck Wild because I have no idea. The line seems ridiculous to me, but it's Oklahoma is a six and a half point favorite against Oregon. Both teams, their head coaches, bolted, gone, <laughs> gone. I just, I mean, Oregon's best player's gone. Um, Oklahoma doesn't have a backup quarterback, I don't think. Right? Spencer's gone. Uh, so it's Caleb Williams' show. Um, I, I have no idea what to yeah, make this of is, this Yeah, this is super it tough. It is wild. And the fact that the line's six and a half and just not a pick em, I just – I don't know, man. This is, this is wild to me. That, like there's never been a football game that I've seen where there's been as tumultuous of an offseason um, for both of these programs. I mean, because it's not like Notre Dame where Notre Dame kept things intact. Both teams were just wholesale gutted. gutted. So um, who wants to jump on this grenade? <laughs> I will. This I, will. First. I got you. I got you. As the, uh, as the emperor and supreme leader here, I will, I will take charge. Oklahoma's going to win by 13. Interesting. It's just – I think it turns into like a, a stupid shootout, which makes for a really fun game to watch. I think it's going to be the a surprise. It's going to tell us nothing about anything, but they're just going to trot out some players out there. I think Oklahoma's got more dynamic playmakers on both sides of the ball still available. And yeah, they're going to win by 13. You don't trust Anthony Brown <laughs> to win a football game. You know, I was an Anthony Brown like defender earlier in the season. The season played out. The season played out. <laughs> uh, I'll let Jude uh, bring up the rear because I'm going to give him Oregon and I'm going to box him into Oregon. I I think Oklahoma wins this game because all year long I felt that Oregon is just a trash team and Ohio State. I don't know how Ohio State lost that game. Like they were moving the ball and then just. I mean, we were watching it in the booth of the um, Cincinnati game. This is like Ohio State's moving the ball at will, and then they get inside the 35 and they just stall out. Um, I think Oregon stinks. Give me Oklahoma. So I hear you, <laughs> but yeah. you're also picking a team that beat Tulane by five, beat yes, Nebraska by nine, beat Struggled West Virginia by Kansas. three. Yeah. Beat Kansas State by six. Sure did. How many Beat of those Texas games has Spencer Rattler by at seven? The Most of them. Uh, Beat Kansas by twelve and had to come back to do it. I think Caleb Williams started the uh, Kansas game, which was the most egregious. Um, yeah, I don't know who Oregon is either, but I don't think that I have a level of confidence about this that anybody else does. Um, so I'm just going to take Oregon and yep. let's do it. And I get six and a half points. So you I'm get six and a half too. points, which yeah. I think is the smarter play. 
Uh, I just wanted to put you in that box. That's fine. Here. I'm I'm happy to be in that box. I, yeah. I'm like yeah, Skinner's yeah, yeah. kid, man. Like, where do I sign up? <laughs> um. <laughs> so the next two are going to be playoff games. Playoffs. Alabama, playoff. We talk playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, Alabama is only a 13 and a half point favorite. I'm not sure if you knew, but the Alabama football players feel like they are underdogs. This is like Clemson Dabo style. Here's here's the quote. Um, Let me see if I can't. uh, I think I got the quote for you. Um, ah, Jeez. Um, Here it is. So linebacker Will Anderson, he goes, I feel like we're the underdog in this game all year. We've been disrespected. So Nick Saban's got his boys feeling like they're underdogs in this game against Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, you could give me Alabama on 147 and I would take Alabama in, in a heartbeat. I think, I think Cincinnati is looking at an absolute death bucket of epic proportions. I think sauce Gardner gets introduced to a wide receiver who is NFL talent in Williams. And he gives up his first touchdown of the year. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. I think that, um, (laughs) Uh, Cincinnati gets just absolutely trucked. You want to talk about talent disparity? I mean, Cincinnati's got seven uh, total four stars, and you know Evan Prater is one of them, and he's sitting on the bench. So I think I think Cincinnati is going to get death bucketed in this football game, and Alabama just runs them off the field. Tell me I'm wrong. So I. <laughs> Every time I've picked against Alabama, I've, I've, I've regretted it. I've absolutely regretted it. I, I don't yeah. think there's been a single instance in which I said, Ooh, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot of points. I, uh, <laughs> I'll take that. I, there, you know, there's a good chance that, uh, you know, they could get some sort of fucking backdoor cover on a 31, 17 game or whatever. Um, and so I have not learned my lesson yet. And so give me this. Oh my God. Alabama. Oh my God. You know, by the way, Alabama got 19 and a half points against Notre Dame last year. And they didn't cover. They did not. But if it was 13 and a half, I just, yeah. Cincinnati has not seen a team as talented as Alabama in their entire lives. No, not even half as talented. And they are going, not even half as talented. They are going to be in a world of hurt. And if this ends up, you know, 42-7, I'm going to laugh my ass off, but I might as well take Cincinnati because I feel like you guys are both pretty high on Alabama. So so my main thought about this game is, I mean, Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner should just opt out of this game. Otherwise, they're going to lose some money. Yes. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think they're very talented cornerbacks, but that has the bright future in the NFL. But it is going to be it, this. This ain't the same. This ain't getting to the league and playing. <laughs> this just ain't the same. You are gonna get just absolutely torched. I think Death Bucket's the perfect perfect name for this game. If Alabama gets half a hundred, I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably. I think it's probably gonna be more along the lines of like a forty-five thirteen game. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I, and you're, that's not a bad thought because the the taste that's going to be left in their mouth from like Jameson Williams like torching um, sauce. I Martin. think it's going to be it's going to be significant. Look, I, it, it's a it's a hard it's a you got to have these two separate thoughts like coming together, and it's I believe both Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant are a couple of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, but. You need some help at corner going against these these top flight wide receivers. And Cincinnati just isn't going to be able to provide that. They don't have the depth up front to 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 put continued pressure on Alabama. That it's just it's it's not going to look good. It is not going to look pretty. I mean, do you John Mitchell isn't going to play in this game though. No, I was about to say, do you think that there's anything about Menchie not playing? In this game, and and I thought about it for like half of a second, and then I was like, no, no, still Alabama, <laughs> still Alabama. Yeah. Brian Robinson still exists. Uh, Slate I mean, Bull Will Anderson's definitely going to eat some poor lineman's lunch. Yeah, I feel it. I feel yeah, it too. Oh God, that's good. Yeah, Ritter's going to feel that one. <laughs> Alabama will trot somebody else out there. It's just this is the nature of of Alabama. Much in the same case of. Ohio State's going to do the same in the Rose Bowl. I just think they're they're totally different circumstances uh, with these games. But I like Mechie a lot. I think Mechie's underrated as hell. Um, But him being being out of the game doesn't really affect what I think is about to happen. Right. I'd like to go first in the next one. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. So Michigan is is playing Georgia. Michigan is a seven and a half point dog. Georgia's getting seven and a half points. Um, That's a lot. Where you at? I think it's been fun for us to kind of, you know, discount Michigan and say, you know, they can't possibly be good because we don't want them to be good. And I've, I've done a lot of, um, I've, I've won a lot of games this year. Not a lot, but a significant amount by, by embracing the Michigan, Michigan villainy and, uh, and leading into it. But having said that, I just want somebody else to pick Michigan. So I'm taking Georgia and I will gladly lay those seven and a half points. Well, that, that pause means I'm up and (laughs) here's the thing. Georgia's defense got exposed by Alabama. Michigan is not Alabama. They don't have the passing game to do what Alabama did. They just fucking don't. If they want, if Jim Harbaugh wants to, if they think they can just hand the ball off to Haskins and, uh, and the fast ones, my nuts, that's going to, that's going to take care of it. And then bring in a freshman quarterback every once in a while, just to make things interesting. Georgia's going to fucking eat their shit. Now, having said that, Georgia is a, Hot mess. And not very good offensive football team. Michigan plays pretty. I mean, they play pretty. They play sound defense. And Aiden Hutchinson is a fucking beast up there. So that's going to be a challenge. I just think between the two challenges, it's harder. It's going to be harder for Michigan than it is for Georgia. I think this is a 10 to 13 point game. History would tell us, however, that these semifinal games, this is another blowout. So 
I'm just going off of history here, and I'm going to say 34-10, Joe and Jenna. I mean, you, yeah, that's the same way I'm at. Is I think that uh, I don't. I'm not particularly impressed with Georgia offensively. Um, no, no, no. How can you? I, be? You can't be. I just know that um, unless you have a Jamison Williams and you're capable of, and you have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, <laughs> right? I, I just, I, I'm not sure exactly what Michigan's plan to score points is against this Georgia team. Um. I just I don't know where the points are going to come from because I've seen Georgia play a lot of middling offenses and I think Michigan has a middling offense. Um, I've watched them not score in the second half against Rutgers. I've watched them struggle, but it's against Nebraska. I mean, we all saw the 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 Iowa game and we saw the Ohio State game, um, but I think we're all willing to admit the flaws of Ohio State. Um, and while this isn't the best of the Alabama teams, I or wasn't the best of the Alabama teams. I think Georgia still, you know, had to go up against a Heisman trophy winning quarterback and the best receiver, one of the best three receivers in college football. So I don't, I, I think that you're right on with that 10 points, spot. I, I don't see how Michigan is able to move the football against Georgia. So we're, we're for the first time tonight. I believe we are all in agreement that Georgia covers. And I think we might go chalk on the next one too, right? I think so. So the next one is Notre Dame uh, playing Oklahoma State. Notre Dame opened at two and a half, and they are still at two and a half. Um, oh, they opened at two. Oh, they opened at two? Oh, yeah. so it uh, jumped up a little bit. Hey, look at that. Um, I know it, fl- it fluctuated a little bit. I saw it got down into the 1.5, and I thought about jumping on it then. Didn't. I think I, I got on it at 2.5. Um but so Notre Dame is a two and a half point favorite. Um, I'll take the I'll take this one uh, since I took the 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 end of the last one. Um, I think we see a repeat of the Iowa State game from the Camping World Bowl. I've been pretty bullish about that. I don't think that Oklahoma State offensively is capable of putting together any sort of sustainability against this Notre Dame defense. I think Notre Dame comes out highly motivated. I think Spencer Sanders has multiple turnovers. Um, I don't think just like in the the game against Iowa State, I don't think offensively Notre Dame does anything particularly special. I don't think that we're talking about like a 400 yard performance. I think Notre Dame ends up with like 325, 350. They're opportunistic with short fields. I think Notre Dame probably ends up winning this game like 30 to 17 or like 30 to 13, 30 to 10, somewhere in that range. I think Notre Dame does break, you know, you know, get over that 24, 20, you know, 27 hump and, and get into the thirties. Perhaps I, I just, I don't feel of all of the units on the field, the one that I feel the last, um, the least amount of, of, confidence in is Oklahoma state's offense. I feel more confident about Oklahoma state's defense, more confident about Notre Dame's defense, more confident about Notre Dame's offense. And and when you're breaking it down that way, I just think that the worst unit on the field is Oklahoma state's offense. And that that's going to result in a pretty comfortable Notre Dame win. So I was listening to, uh, Brian Driscoll's podcast the other day, and 
he made a point that I 100% agreed with, or maybe it was Vince scenario. And he said, a guy who is kind of on every Notre Dame fans radar, but is going to get national attention next year is Cam Hart. And, um, I actually think that this could be sort of the, you know, the first initiation for people that maybe haven't watched Notre Dame all year, uh, to see something just truly spectacular. And, um, I just, I'm with Brendan. I, I just feel so much more faith in what Notre Dame is doing, uh, than what Oklahoma state is doing. And I give major credit to Oklahoma state's defense. I think they've, they put a lot of teams in a vice this year, but, um, I think Notre Dame's defense is pretty awesome as well. And, and I think a lot of that, um, starts with Cam Hart. I, I think he probably got overshadowed a lot because of Kyle Hamilton, right? Rightfully so. But, um, I think Cam Hart's a, a, a real special talent and, um, and I, I can't, I honestly can't wait for him to, uh, to, to him and, and all of his defensive brothers to, to really put the lock to, uh, to Spencer Sanders and the, and the baby crew. So, Give me Notre Dame as well. And, you know, the over under here at 45 and a half is really interesting to me because I really could see this game being like a 27, 13. Um, I could see this game being like a 20, a 31, 17, you know? So th- I think that's a really good over under. Um, I just, I don't see Notre Dame putting 40 points up on Oklahoma state. And I honestly don't see Oklahoma state, uh, scoring more than pay, probably like 17 on her name. So that's a good, that's a heady pick with uh, Cam Hart because it's definitely one where he's going to be able to. I yeah, I think you're right there because he's going to be able to pick up on what Spencer Sanders is laying down. So this is more this is a spiritual journey for me. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. And. I get it, and I've repeated it, and I've gone along with it, and yet I keep finding myself like fighting the notion a little bit. <clears throat> even on this, even on this episode, I have applauded Oklahoma State's defense, and yet sitting there, right in front of me, is our Lord and Savior Tommy Rezus. <laughs> And I just think that there is a lot more to Tommy. I think, you know, Priester's made the point several times this year, more more than several. He's he, he's been kind of on a tangent about it that he thinks Tommy Rees is becoming an excellent play caller, and I agree with that assessment completely. I think he's been very good uh, throughout the entire season, especially with what they've had to work with. I don't see a giant struggle offensively. I think it's going to, I think, I think Josh Lug going out and no Kyron Williams, who by the way, would, would have been crucial in pass protection as well, mind you. But it's these kind of moments where play callers get a little more creative because they have to. And I think they find that their creativity is is rewarded in many times. And I think Notre Dame has the personnel to be rewarded for their creativity. I know Audrey Gestime wasn't listed on the depth chart, which is a major doubt. It was a low point of my day the other day. <clears throat> but his name has been mentioned every time they've brought up the running backs. 
I just think that I think Reese is going to have some some kind some some special sauce. You know, call it a gumbo, call it a a a well-made hollandaise, whatever it might be. I think he's going to have some kind of special sauce going on with what they're going to do. Look, Blake Fisher was good enough to start game one at left tackle. They got him over at right tackle. And yeah, he's got to take on a tough guy. But if he's the best man for the job, I got I, there's no way that there's another better option besides Blake Fisher, right? Like there's just they 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 wouldn't have him in this position if they didn't feel that way. This isn't like a a senior coming back from injury where they can, you almost feel like you owe him. Yeah. Do you so, feel like that's an indictment though, or do you think that this is yes, legitimately? No, I, no, definitely. I think it's definitely an indictment of of some of the talent there, but it's also young talent and because guys that I, this has been a hard season to get guys proven and throwing guys out at left tackle has been, that, that's a tough spot to throw out young guys. So I just, I think that I think they got something for him. And I think the defense is just does what the defense does. Jude bringing up cam Hart is a, is a great example of a guy who shuts, who, who can shut somebody down. And yet, Oklahoma State doesn't have the personnel that you need all that either. I, I think there's a teen off ceremony, uh, whether it's with incense or not. We'll, we'll see. There'll be a teen off ceremony. Was people have a fear of mobile quarterbacks because of past Notre Dame defenses, but this is a fast Notre Dame defense that uses a heavy rotation up front that keeps you know legs fresh. 34, 13. I can't. Their name is that their defense has given up 18 points a game. And Oklahoma State's offense is not the offense to to allow more than your average. Right. So. I'm going to say 34, 13. And we're going to be singing the praises of Tommy Reese after this game. Like that was creative as shit. And, you know, whether whether that involves. Get, you know, doing something different in the passing game or, you know, the running game. I mean, just look, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, Chris Tyree today said in, in the press conference at Fiesta Bowl, they asked him about his turf toe. And I think you, you guys will appreciate this. He said he wouldn't wish it on his worst enemy. He did. Yeah. And I, the first thing I thought of was, was our, was our John the Baptist, Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the hell that kid went through to play with that turf toe. Yeah. So you know it was tough. I mean, it, Ed, look, we've we I think we've been kind to Tyree for most of the season. We haven't been too harsh about you know him going down for Scott. I mean, it's been mentioned because it's been obvious at times. If he's fully healthy and ready to go, that's a huge weapon Notre Dame can use. Diggs is like Kyron Williams light. I don't even know. That. He's Kyron Williams esque. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't, you didn't see a ton of, you didn't see a big drop off in production when Diggs came in to spell Kyron. I do worry right. about the blocking though. That, that is the one, that is the one part. And then it allows me to bring in my boy estimate, which I just feel that for whatever reason, Notre Dame didn't utilize him this year as the fucking battling battle ram that he is like, this is, this is the type of game where you can go out and beat the shit out of somebody. If you got these young offensive linemen out there 
on the out on the edge. Just go at these. This isn't a large Ohio, Oklahoma State defensive front. They aren't big. They're athletic. There's not a, you can go at them with some power. So it's just a long-winded way of saying I think Tommy Reese has got something for him. And so as much as I do respect Oklahoma State's defense, there comes a the, – we're not talking about the – you know, we're not talking about Georgia here. All right. Bears. Yeah, we're not talking about the 85 Bears either. <laughs> and so if there's a time to get them, to get them th- this, here's a good time. So There's no team it, that separates between Oklahoma State's scoring defense and Notre Dame's scoring defense. And, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of fed up with the fact that Notre Dame's defense is not spoken in like they're putting Oklahoma state's defense on this pedestal in this trash conference and that Notre Dame's given up fewer touchdowns this year. And you know, they played one fewer game, but like Oklahoma state's the seventh ranked scoring defense and Notre Dame's the ninth ranked scoring defense. And and you think that the way that some of it's leading up to it, that, that Oklahoma state has this prolific defense in Notre Dame is just barely even mentioned and there's you know 30 spots that separates the two teams offensively in scoring offense i just i i don't get it i don't i don't get the narrative which upsets me oh i get it (laughs) then because the narrative has been set for 25 years and it's literally 30 points another name's the 20th ranked scoring offense in oklahoma state's the 50th I'm literally I'm 30. So done with this ESPN nonsense about the f- score of games from 20 years ago impacting something about today. But it's, but it's I mean, not going to change, though, right, Jude? Because r- right now they, they talk about the New Year's Six Bowl games, and all they'll do is they'll just add a one, and then they'll bring up the losses with it, right? They're They're not going to change the narrative. They'll be like, well, Notre Dame is, what is it, one in – you know, one in four in their last four, five Fiesta Bowls and instead of the oh and four in their last four. Yeah, it's just they it's, didn't you know, they didn't do that after the Hawaii Bowl. And I, that that would have been more understandable. Like after they won Hawaii Bowl, they just they kind of like stopped with the bowl record thing that I. But then it became the narrative I, of the New Year's six, Josh. They, yeah, they just changed. I, I, the, I get it. I get that they'll move it. the goalposts, but I, look, let's get rid of the Let's it'll get rid of this off. one. And, and all the better if they could beat Ohio, uh, Oklahoma state 41 to nine. Cause I would, I would love for that to happen too, oh, because the, the, they bring up the point margin a lot too. It just, I'm, I'm tired of it. I want it to go away. This is one of, one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most, obviously winning is sweet, finishing the season off on a high note is sweet going into the off season with a head of steam is great. Um, but I don't care if we win by one point. I just like, I want to be done with this whole. So not since January 1st, 1994 has Notre Dame won a near six bowl BCS bowl game, you know, just like I'm over it. I'm over it. I mean, we could be proactive. Jude. I mean, if we want to be proactive in this, we could, you know, like develop a, and be the administrators of like a black magic sigil. <laughs> and really send that, you know, that or that organ energy towards Notre Dame. Like, I mean, if you guys want to do it, we can do it. Well, maybe that's well, just I, like we, what I just, we just did all was, stand on I, one foot. 
basically we just all stayed on one foot at on Saturday morning at 10, you know, standing there with one foot for 15 minutes. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think I can say this. On the, no, we can't, we can't do this. We can't do this. What I did was I just bought myself more home field apparel for Christmas uh, and it made it Notre Dame stuff. So I just figured like <laughs> I, I was trying to buy my way into the magic. So I didn't buy any Oklahoma state stuff. So I feel like I did it right. But you know, yeah. I was almost on the, uh, the Miami week when I had to get, when I opted out of Miami and I still got something else. I almost got Oklahoma state gear. Almost. And instead, end up getting a sassy ram. So, whatever that's worth. <laughs> I mean, Pistol Pete's pretty no. cool, but I'm definitely waiting until after the bowl game to buy anything remote, remotely uh, Oklahoma State related. So. so, now that it's final, though, real quick, Mississippi State just lost like what, 31, 34 7? 34 7, yeah. 34 7. To the Big 12's Texas Tech. Does that change anything about what you've been thinking about? No. no. I mean, it's it embarrassing for Mike Leach. It's embarrassing, for Mike Leach. Overrated. It's a, it's embarrassing yeah. for Mike Leach. Yeah. But. Probably the most overrated coach out there. Fun. Like, yeah, there's some fun quotes there, but like, come on, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I lost that pick. And I'm still fourth in the Capital One Bowl Mania for OFD. So apparently 11 oh, and 9 is good enough there. to get it done. I'm way down there. Way down there. Yeah. Fate, fate subway downer. Yeah, it's way down there. Uh, <laughs> just just waiting on these big points to hit. They keep canceling all, all the games that canceled. I would have won. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, actually, yeah, we got, you're you're doing you're off the the last page. So congrats, our boy Dougie. Uh, is it Saint Sant? Yeah, he's not Sant, doing yeah. so, he's not doing so hot. Six and fourteen. Doug. Doug. Doug's taking one for the team. Makes me look yeah. better. It's been yeah, it's been a rough ride bull season. Which it, I mean, maybe a bull season that hasn't been a rough ride. That that's the fun part about it. It's there's a lot of surprises generally. It ain't chalk until you get to the playoffs. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So we're we're all three in agreement that Notre Dame is going to win this game in different manners. Correct. Correct. De- Varying levels of degrees here. Okay. And does that, I mean, is there a big, Brendan, do you think there's a, a huge difference for the off season with this game? Yeah. Like I how impact, so. like, like, is there is this major impact or is this just, I don't think it's a major a fun impact, thing that we need to do. but I think that the good vibe, I think that winning, I don't think that losing this game would have any sort of tangible impact, but I think that winning the game, I think, and I don't know how you can say that, but I think that continuing the good vibes of the Marcus Freeman era for as long as you can going into that Ohio State game is pretty big. 
So and the long I, recruiting season up to it. And the long recruiting season. I think winning this game. Um, I think that this is a big game for Marcus Freeman, and I think it's a big game for Jack Schwarbrick, and I think that this is a big game for Notre Dame as a program. Uh, I think they need it. I honestly think they need this one. Um, Jude, what do you think? You think it's a how, how yeah, important? Is this I mean, game? I just I, I think it will mean nothing in the legacy. I mean, I think it will certainly add to it if if he's able to win the game and start off on a high note. But it, you know, honestly. If he goes eight and five next season, I don't really think that winning this game meant anything. So, well, well, I think I think you and Brennan are kind of looking at it from different angles. Like I, I think Brent, what Brennan's looking at it is that there's a lot of time between Saturday and Ohio State, and the work that you can get done between those between that time, especially on the recruiting trail. A New Year's Six win is a you just you just change the narrative. You could absolutely Marcus Freeman could if he win this game and absolutely go into a house and say, "That's old Notre Dame, old Notre Dame." Go into these bowl games and these big New Year Six games and losing, we're we're fucking done with that. I'm here now, you know. We're bringing in the guys to make this be a thing every year. Come join us, kind of a kind of a talk. I think that's big. I think that's a that's a huge thing to have in your back pocket for what eight months, nine months. And there's a lot of commitments that happened during that time for two different cycles. Plus transfers. I mean, I mean, Plus transfers, yeah. they're still going to, they're still going to hit the transfer market. And the, a lot of these guys, they want to go to a team that's going to win. And I just think that I think anything good is good and anything bad is bad. Like if, if you go out there and you lose this game, you know, let's just say 24 to, to 10, I don't know what good you could take from that game. You could you could dismiss it and move on past it and, and give all sorts of reasons, but that's a lot more energy to do than just fucking beating your chest. You know what I mean? Win this game, go out there, get Jacob Cowing in the fold, and uh, call it a day, right? <laughs> he can't get in, can he? No, he's not eligible. He is eligible. I looked on your sheet, Jude. Cowing from Utah? Yeah. From UTEP, I looked at his sheet. He was the second to la- the second to lowest rated player and the highest rated PFF. But he's not here, is he not? I looked on your spreadsheet, Jude. Today, he's at nope. the very bottom. You, you missed the column that said transfer possible. No, um, no. he's a junior. <laughs> uh, well, why is he on your spreadsheet, Jude? Why is because he you have to know who's possible. And if you it, what what I'm going to get is people looking at this and going, "What about so and so?" And then can you explain I'll, to like, me he's why on the, he's da- he's on the damn spreadsheet? Why is he on the spreadsheet? I just told you. Get him off the spreadsheet, Jude. <laughs> no. I don't need to get excited about a guy who's on the spreadsheet when he shouldn't be on the spreadsheet. You should fucking learn how to read the spreadsheet. Well, the, well that tells you who to not get excited about, Brendan. Yeah, That's helpful. Spreadsheet. I'm very upset about the spreadsheet now, Jude. I have to change the because whole thing. Because you can't read? Out. It's my fault no, you can't the, read. I look at the spreadsheet and I go, who's on the spreadsheet? <laughs> and he's on the spreadsheet and I go, oh. Okay, he's on the you spreadsheet. You do realize so there's go. 18 dudes on the spreadsheet that Notre Dame can't recruit, right? No, because he's on the spreadsheet. Why is he on the spreadsheet if he's not on because the spreadsheet? Because people are going to ask about him, and I need I need them to look on the thing and go, oh, whoop, nope, can't can't recruit that guy. I hate it. I hate it, Jude. You should just <laughs> look. If I take if I take off. cowing off the spreadsheet, people are going to ask me about cowing, and I don't want to deal with it. And so. then you just say, is he on the spreadsheet? 
And then they go, no. And you go, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at this on my phone. I don't have time to read that. And, and you're scrolling down. I don't have time. Oh, you know, in the, are you looking at it on the, on the website page or on the, just the spreadsheet itself on your phone? On the, on the spreadsheet on my phone, on the Google doc. Oh, okay. Because uh, I was going to say, because the, the mobile yeah, uh, table doesn't always it, 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 work It's not great. so hot. That's so hot. Like your, bl- like your blank spots and notes, Jude, that's not a good thing. On your phone, that, that, that'll just move shit over. I got to put little hyphens in all, all my tables for like uh, scholarship charts and stuff like that. Because I mean, I've had parents. I've had parents email me. Filter by no. Filter by no. My son's not this. Yeah, oh yeah. Control A, delete button. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I got paid one of the highest compliments, which is Tim O'Malley tweeted today, and he said, I don't take other people's work, but I'm totally using this. I mean, that's... That's I, to be honest with you, this is the reason I build these damn spreadsheets is like, yeah, I'm curious, but I'm also I want people to be able to have a place where they can go look up this information real quickly. Right. And so see the PFF score on there anymore. Oh, no, I do. Oh, you changed it up even from me, dude. earlier today. Call me. Yeah. You know. Call me. A lot of people are appreciative of you having Jafar Armstrong on there. Uh, you got to put Jafar on there. He's a, he's a possible transfer. I don't think it's going to happen, but he is a possible transfer. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of these kind of things, Jude, we never did quite get the backing from you that I expected. But, you know, in the DMs, we were going back and forth about the um, uh, about reclass, like players being reclassified, like uh, like Styles, you know, reclassified at Ohio State. <clears throat> now, how much of a so, deal maker? Breaker that is, I couldn't say. Right. But my my overall thinking is that reclassification, where a player misses his entire senior year, I just feel that Notre Dame is never going to dip that far down from where their standards, and I'm throwing up massive air quotes here, are. Early enrollees are one thing. Right. But to say an entire year for a kid to come in to take Real classes, not bullshit classes. I'm not saying that style is going to. You, you have to understand what I'm saying here. Big state schools, especially like Ohio State, these guys that come in, they're not going to bury these freshmen with hard classes. They're going to make sure that they're eligible and get and adapt to college life. Notre Dame doesn't have very many of those classes. So to say that a guy that should be a high school senior, he just got done with his junior year in May. And then it enroll, enrolls in Notre Dame in June, I think is crazy thinking. It's, I just don't think you could come up with a scenario that says, well, if you have this guy who has like a 1550 on the SATs and the, find me that five star player, you're fucking nuts. I mean, that you're just, you just picked out the one in a million guy, like the guy that's all academic, everything, brilliant, and also a five star fucking wide receiver that runs a four, three forty that doesn't exist. I just don't think Notre Dame ever goes down to that level. And I'm so, not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying they just won't. There was, there was one comment that I think I, I 100% agreed with. And I believe it was Brendan who made the comment 
20 years ago, I don't think we could have ever conceived of early enrollees at Notre Dame. I just, I just don't think that it was something that I thought Notre Dame would ever entertain. And, you know, and they've given on that. And, and I know what you're saying. It's a, it's a, it's a long step from early enrollee to a total reclassification. I try to think Huge. of it outside. I try to think of it outside the sports realm, which is like, if you had, um, you know, Amanda Gorman, I think that's her name, the poet laureate who wanted to come to Notre Dame and she wanted to reclassify, like, would you make an exception for her? And I think maybe the answer is yes. And so if you were willing to do it for her, I think that someday you might be willing to do it for a five-star quarterback. Okay. A couple of things there. A lot of the, a lot of these scenarios have been thrown my way the last couple of days. I just keep, I can't get over the fact of the, the immediacy of the move from junior, from junior in high school to freshman in college in a matter of two weeks. It's just, it's just massive to me. That is massive. I 100% agree with you. And, and, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance because I don't even know if you can, you can take a entrance exam or a required, you know, SAT or anything and get what you need to like, to meet the qualifications. I, I, I think what we're talking about. And one of the things that your strongest point I think is, is they're going to have to rethink, um, what they're requiring of these students and and they're not going to just do that willy nilly. And they're certainly not going to make an exception for, for, um, athletics, but I almost think that maybe academics, they do something for academics that allows athletics to make the case. See, I think the exception here is if there is one, it's really not going to be, uh, on Notre Dame to adjust. It's going to be on the athlete himself. So that's going to mean that, you're going to have to have a kid who was a freshman or sophomore in high school have the foresight. Listen, Notre Dame has lost out on plenty of recruits over the last 15, 20 years that had great grades, good scores, great talent, lacked one foreign language class. Anywhere else, don't worry, we got that. Notre Dame, that is just... There's a core set of classes, and regardless of of a lot of things, I don't think Notre Dame changes or deviates from that. So, but it's if they could talk a kid who's a freshman or sophomore who is just hell bent on coming to Notre Dame and also hell bent on getting there as quickly as possible, they're gonna have to have that conversation of you need to make sure with your guidance counselor and all that shit that you have these classes done. By the by, the end of your first semester of your junior year. So I, I was doing that's a, some, that's, a, that's a big ask. That's a I, big yeah, absolutely, I was doing some research today about uh, Notre Dame transfers and got myself kind of in a rabbit hole of the the kind of the tail end of the Holtz year. So I was really looking at studying in like ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, right? And and I wasn't looking for this, but I did come across an article that said that Randy Moss turned in his application. For, for admittance to Notre Dame three months late, literally three months late. And, and the admissions department didn't say, screw you, this is three months late. 
they said, okay, we'll sit down and we'll actually review this. And they had a four person team and they all unanimously decided that he didn't, he didn't meet the, they didn't think he could keep up with the academic rigor that Notre Dame wants. Right. And so the other thing that I learned was that guys were, were failing off the team because of academics and it wasn't, it wasn't NCAA minimums. It was Notre Dame minimums. Right. And so it it got me thinking about, has that changed in the last, um, you know, 25 years, which is that support has for sure. Does Notre Dame have a level in which you could be, you could still be eligible by Notre Dame, uh, by NCAA standards, but you're no longer eligible by Notre Dame standards. You know, like, let's say you're, let's say the minimum in it. And I'm speaking out of total ignorance here. And I bet you there's somebody who listens to this podcast who can, who can write me the right way. But let's say that the minimum uh, GPA for, for retaining eligibility is 1.8. And I'm just making that number up. Right. But let's say Notre Dame's number is 2.0. So if you had a 1.9, you're where, where the NCA you're allowed to play by the NCA rules, but maybe Notre Dame has a, has a threshold that's higher than that. Right. But maybe they've acquiesced on this and made their threshold the same as, and the NCAA's threshold, you know what I'm saying? Which right. would be, which would be a huge change that in 1995, they probably couldn't have conceived of but was probably born on the fact that they were losing a lot of borderline guys to academics. And, you know, obviously we've made great strides with, with support staff since then and, and academics support staff in particular, um, where you don't hear about these guys having academic issues, but I bet you that stuff is still happening. Right. Alze Mack wasn't too long ago, you know? Right. Right. So here's the point that I didn't talk about. This really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I, no. I, I don't, I don't see like reclassification being like a huge thing. And the only reason that I'm talking about it is because that has directly affected us with one recruit who just so happens to be the top recruit on Notre Dame's Would board. Have been a unicorn, right? That's a unicorn. That's right it. There. Yeah. Right. That's the only reason I'm even talking about it because before styles did that, if you asked me about reclassification in Notre Dame, I'd be even more adamant that it would never happen at Notre Yeah, Dame. you would have said 100%. And I would, I, would also add, I would also add this. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Name your reclassified guy that has been, like, great. Like, it, it's just I, – I haven't seen it. Tell me about JT Daniels' uh, career path. Exactly. So, I mean, that's like – who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, right. But there, there, to be honest, I guess the argument against that would be it's the reclassification process is what, I mean, what are we only five years into this? I mean, it, it's it really, there really hasn't been a, like right. we didn't have a successful graduate transfer uh, at quarterback who played a final season and got himself an NFL draft until Russell Wilson. I mean, we might've, but that's the one that everyone sort of remembers. Right. 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 So, right. And then we had it was a hard time kind of getting to the second one, and then we had Joe Burrow, right? Right. And I mean, you we could have applied the same statement to like early, like early enrollees weren't a big thing all over college football, uh, you know, fifteen years ago. You know, now Notre Dame brought in what fourteen last year. They're going to bring in twelve this year. Wow. If you'd have told Judith, someone would have told us that five years ago, we would have told them to go fuck themselves. You're lying. So I'll, I'll say that I would, but I would have said, wow, full credit to it's Brian been, Kelly. He must be leaning on, he must have pictures on somebody, but they so. did, but they did something with that though. Right. They proved it was highly successful. Right. Like the, the guys adapted to school, like they made it a successful 
way to be a football player rather than a hard route. Well, and the other thing is it's it's giving them the churn that they want, that they that they rely on. Right. Which is right. I was listening to another podcast and it, it might have been might have been Driscoll podcast or might have been athletic. Somebody was talking about basically they're sitting at 90 scholarships right now. And, and, and you know, some six year guys are not coming back. Right. But it sounds like they they're going to invite Josh Lug back, which is I mean, you can argue one way or another or whatever. But like, you know, are they going to invite Drew, Drew White back? I mean, and there's plenty of guys. Drew White's not coming at, back. Right. So you, you, there's plenty of guys that you, that you look at and you say, how do we get that number down to 85? And then how do we add people from the transfer portal that we've been talking about, whether wide receiver or, you know, they flirted with quarterback or where, wherever they identify the need as. Right. So Did no it, one bring up COVID. Like some of these guys still won't count against the 85. I, I understand. Using it, the, if, so you could have 90 if five of them are, are in their COVID year. Right. But if you're at 90 right now, then you definitely need some, you definitely need some people to, to, to leave, to get, to pull in the transfers. Right. Just depends on whether the transfer is a COVID guy. Well, you also need that flexibility for a possible February signing too. Right. No, I get it. I get it. But yeah. So I I learned, I learned my lesson three years ago. Like my, my point is that when you, when you're early enrollee and then you tell a guy, Hey, look, we set you on the path to graduate after three and a half years and now you can take your two years of eligibility as a grad transfer that's attractive to a lot of people yes and it's worked out it's worked out nice for worked out really that's a nice thing to have in your pocket yeah sure huge thing it's huge i mean yeah for a notre dame degree and then two years of eligibility at another school no it's 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 definitely a selling point because that yeah uh, I don't know. I I, I learned my lesson a, f- a few years ago about the whole scholarship numbers. It'll always work out. No, it's, no, absolutely. It, I'm not saying they need to fix this the day after. Yeah. The t- uh, look again. How many? I, I, I was working on this just today. How many people? How many people after the bowl announce they're leaving? A lot. How many people announce after spring practice? A lot. How many people announce after the blue game, gold game? A lot. I mean, this is all historical, right? Am I saying this is going to all happen this next year? No. But at the same time, the it 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 always flows in the same direction, right? Which is you get opt out, you get transfers announced in January after the bowl game, you get transfers announced in March after spring practice, and the guys know where they they land. You got opt out. Sometimes you get opt outs after late in the late April after the blue gold game, and sometimes you get that August person who's just like, look, I don't want to do, I don't want to do school here anymore. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Right. And right. so and you'll get, you'll get, and you get transfers in like as late as May. Yeah, of course. And like, so you're not going to, that's why anybody who sweats this whole, like, you know, oh, they got to get down to 85, like tomorrow. No, of course not. You know, so. Okay. It's look, it's going to be interesting. And like Brendan said, I, don't, <laughs> I just, I'd rather have that weight in my pocket. I think that's big. Uh, to, of course. Let, let's go fuck up. Let's go fuck up the scholarship chart. Let, let's make. Let's let's go sweat it. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, all right. Let's let's wrap this up. Jude, what do you got going out? Um, you know, I, I don't think there was anything that I saw that was like anybody announcing getting married or having a baby around Christmas time or whatever. I guess I just in general. Um, Christmas can be like a real emotional time for people. I know it's a happy time for a lot of us, especially those with kids. 
but it's also sort of emotional in terms of, you know, dealing with the stress of COVID and also dealing with some family drama that maybe you can necessarily avoid. Um, you know, if you have a remote distance and you might feel obligated to, to get together during the holidays. So just, um, I guess in general, just be kind to yourselves and be kind to, um, as many people as you can and, and trying to remember that, you know, we got a whole new, a whole new calendar year ahead of us and, um, anything you didn't get done in 2021, you can certainly make as a goal for 2022. But, uh, other than that, I wish you the best of luck. If you're going to buy a Jack Cone NFT, uh, I don't know where you could actually sell that, but, uh, if you got $25 burning hole in your pocket, then, uh, feel free to get in the uh, NFT market. It's probably going to cost you three times as much to get rid of it in gas fees. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know, and if you don't know, then <laughs> it's just, you can ignore that part safely. <laughs> Brendan, my friend, what do you got left to the tank? Yeah. So, um, to follow up on Jude, uh, fuck them cowboys. <laughs> Notre Dame is going to be a pack of Marlboros this weekend. Also known as cowboy killers. And, uh, go Irish. I feel like this country has latched on too much to Yellowstone, which, in my opinion, this like late night soap opera, like it's really bad. Like it, it's good, but it's like, come the fuck on. Like how many people has that rancher killed? Come on, get the anyways. Uh, yeah, romanticizing the lives of cowboys. That's just what the press has been doing about. Oklahoma State's defense for the last three weeks. And I think it ends up in Notre Dame's favor. <clears throat> I've had way too much to drink over the course of this podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> We're so glad to have you back. I mean, I, I don't know that we said that. Ex- We're just, I mean, yeah. I have a good time with Brendan, but it's, um, you were missed in the last podcast for sure. I so noticed look- that. I noticed when I was looking I was trying to hurry. I was trying to hurry up before the podcast and find out which reviews weren't read because Apple's so dumb. Uh, but I did, then I kind of noticed, like, man, it's been a hot minute since we've all, you know, all three of us were able to uh, sit down and, uh, and do this. So I'm appreciative of that. Um, yeah, and uh, Brendan and I, I got a very, a very generous at the last after the last podcast, we got a very generous offer to um, be treated to a steak dinner at in uh, in uh, the greater Glendale, Arizona area, uh, if we were coming in for the game. And so I, I really do appreciate everybody listens and you don't have to offer me a steak dinner, but flattery will get you everywhere. And so we'll steak dinner. So if you, (laughs) if you come to Syracuse, I can probably get you a steak dinner, but, uh, uh, anytime you want to invite me to a steak dinner at, at a place that Notre Dame's playing, I will, I will at least respond to you and tell you, thank you. Uh, I wish I was going to the game, but, uh, it's not going to happen. So. so you're going to offer that steak dinner instead of that bullshit ass cold cheese pizza. No, 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 no. If you come to Syracuse, we're definitely <laughs> going to Oneana and getting cold cheese on top of our pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far away. You'll be so close. We'll have to do it. We'll have to do it. So, yeah. So on a, on a personal level that, uh, I had a death of the family. My grandmother, who was, means as much as me as anybody in this world um, passed away. 
And it, it, it's ridiculously sad. She was 98 years old. It's not like it's not, it's not a young thing. She lived a full life. Uh, it's just sad that that's it's over with is all. I'm mean, not all, but I think you understand what I'm saying here. I feel you. Uh, and it's just it, it's been it's been a lot tougher on me than I ever thought it was going to be, um, which, you know, everyone's been acting like she was going to die for like the last like seven, eight years at least. You know, it's like every holiday, everyone's like looking around crying. It's like she is tough as fucking nails. What are you people crying about? Mm-hmm. And she proved it right. She just kept, she she was as spry as anything up until the last. So it's been a tough time. It's been a tough time for the for me, for the family. Uh, Christmas, COVID, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a rough December, uh, among other things that I'm not willing to divulge here. Uh, so I definitely on board with you just, uh, you know, treat yourself right and have some fun, have some fun with this game. Don't, don't listen to my tweets as I'm going the fuck off on the refs and, uh, aliens during the game, trust me, I'm having more fun with that than than put, actually putting holes in walls. Uh, but let's have a good time with this game. I, I think I, I firmly believe we're going to have a great time with this game. But um, you never know. You know, life life throws a curveballs, uh, or they just or you just get sacked. We'll use a a football metaphor instead. <laughs> so uh, have a good one. I'm not sure about when the post game show will be. Um, maybe Sunday night, Monday morning in your inbox. We'll see. We'll see about that. Do, do you guys, uh, maybe, I mean, we're olds, but do you do anything for, for new year's Eve? Like couch football playoff. Yeah. Besides, besides that, I mean, do That's you do any now. kind of, do you want to go anywhere or do you just want to, I mean, we do the, we do the New Year's countdown with the kids at about eight o'clock and we do fake, fake champagne and the kids love it. And we do stream, you know, like little noisemakers and stuff like that. Um, and thank you. My Netflix wife is for, generally like for doing that. My wife like generally like celebrates like everything and does things for the kids at New Year's has been like, sometimes it's been like that, but a lot of times it's like, we need to get the fuck away. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there has been a, a, a great Italian restaurant in Fort Wayne. It's called oh, Italian man. Connection. No, Brendan. I saw, you <laughs> signed up, I saw that you were signed up for their newsletter, so I thought maybe you turned over a new leaf. Bad dog, Brendan. Bad you son, dog. You son nose. of a bitch. <laughs> fucking, I forgot about that. God damn you. What, your new, no, uh, a place your called, new burner uh, email address? No, I actually signed him up for the Olive Garden. Uh, no, it's in my letter. fucking email. Oh my god, you're too I... funny. No, he's not. He is not. Don't encourage him. But no, there's a great there's a great joint on Taylor Street in Fort Wayne called Italian Connection. Uh, they they hand, they hand, make everything from scratch. There are no scissors in the place that I know of. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Uh, it's a couple of New Year's Eves ago. Uh, I took a picture of my grandparents, my great grandparents, uh, who are from Sicily. Took a picture of their wedding picture, which is the most depressing-looking picture you've ever seen in your life. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, to hang on that wall uh, as he kind of he celebrates uh, the large Italian uh, immigrant population that Fort Wayne ended up having through the uh, from the 1920s to the 1960s. So 
That's usually where we like to go. Fuck you, Brendan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, damn email now. Oh, that's so good. I saw, you know, I saw it in the inbox and I thought it was just an ad. And I was, I clicked on it for a re for, I can't even remember what the fuck for. Like to bitch about it to you and the DMs. And yeah, I still clipped it and bitched about it in the DMs to you because you're the fucking one who sent it. I did send it. That was me. I thought it was That's just some unsolicited spam. Which it, I guess it was in the end. It was definitely unsolicited. But spam? <laughs> maybe spam quality. The food. Oh, shit. So, oh, hey. First snowfall of the year was today. Yep, we got some too. It was nice. Gorgeous. Could have used it a few days ago. So, by the time everyone's listening to this, uh, I think I'll be. I got a viewing to go. We got the viewing tomorrow or on Wednesday, but again, the morning, I'm taking the kids hiking. So, hopefully, it's not too slick and we fall into the Maumee River, but you never know. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways. All right. All right. No, no, no. There's, a, there's just some wet feet, maybe a scraped up elbow, uh, maybe a half a heart attack because you never know what the hell Dylan's going to do. Like, oh, my I God. Guarantee you makes a sweet pose before whatever he does, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he probably will. That kid, man, him and Cliffs just don't. <sighs> I got to start tying him off. It's just you don't know what he's going to do. Oh, shit. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, as always, go Irish.